all gene-based vaccines, independent of manufacturers, produce the same result in the vaccinees. He has looked at 15. In the last four days, the number has been increased to 17 individuals who died after vaccination. These were people who died at home, at work, in the car, doing their sports, etc., etc., etc. There's no question now anymore about what is going on. And the answer is, in the organs of these people, in 90%, he found clear evidence for autoimmune self-attack by killer lymphocytes on the tissues. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I'm pretty sure that Bhakti clip is sped up somehow. I don't know how that... Every time I hear that, it sounds like my voice is extra fast. Let me know what you think in the chat. Thank you for joining me today. A really, really important development. I actually, this is one of the parts that I... This one thing should be a show today, quite frankly, but I wanted to include a lot of other things. But the idea of this new study is is kind of profound, and it really connects to the bigger picture that we've been discussing for a long time. The idea that the mRNA platform itself is what the study is finding is likely the responsible for the myocarditis surge, the driving behind that. It's interestingly related to what we just heard from the Pfizer hearings in Australia, where they're admitting they don't know what the mechanism, how it's causing myocarditis. This new study is is arguing, it's actually not that new, it's from May, which is ridiculous how this important science is not engaged with, with the community screaming about trusting the science, that the mRNA platform itself is dangerous, which I would have made that argument in different ways, but this I find very important. We're going to get into that important study today. We're going to talk a lot about the, the developing information that continues to prove what we've been saying for three years now, that these things are dangerous and that you shouldn't be touching them for any reason. But we're going to start with a couple of important points I think are relevant in regard to some things that are probably going to make you laugh so hard you fall out of your chair. I'm just going to hold off. That'll be the first thing we talk about today. We're going to talk about January 6th and a really obvious development in in how it's being in regard to the committee around January 6th and what happened with the information. We're going to talk about the a video that just came out in regard to undercover officers at January 6th, which I'm not sure I take it the same way as everyone else does. I don't think we have to debate that they were undercover officers, that they were undercover FBI, undercover military, undercover Asian provocateurs. It's all verifiable at this point. So that's an interesting development. We'll go over what it means. And some some important Biden information, some really damning information coming out of the, uh, this is from the Oversight and Accountability Committee. And the, the chairman has released information about the Biden uh, it's a bank memo detail, bank memo information detailing payments from Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine. It's I mean, again, in my opinion, this is not even new. This is just continuing to bolster the fact that we know this happened. And yet, interestingly, nothing's happening about it. We're going to talk about Niger and Newland's recent visit and some really crazy allegations about I, I shouldn't even say crazy, completely expected allegations that are shocking to see in regard to how 
France essentially went into Niger and let out, or some as some entity from France in some way let out sixteen jihadists into Niger because of the I would argue because of what just happened in regard to Newland's visit, which did not go the way that I think she wanted it to, which I think is important to point out. And we're going to go over what's going on there and some really important developments that are overlapping U.S. foreign policy, in particular Ukraine, where it turns out, according to the Times, that the United States is allowing or is Let's put it this way. I, this is an alarming development, and I don't want to be hyperbolic about it. I don't want to scare people. But if we know that the U.S. government is using their own military vehicles, flying them themselves, and taking Ukrainian military into Russia to assassinate Russian commanders, which is what they're claiming, we're at World War III at this point. Or we're at the very least, we're in the middle of a war between the U.S. government and Russia, two nuclear powers. That's not something we should disregard. If we, if, and then we're going to get into the article itself, talking about how that's what they're saying. It's not U.S. standing on the sidelines giving them information and military equipment, which my mind is the same thing anyway. We're talking about U.S. military personnel and vehicles taking, I mean, that's, that is war. And so it's a very big development. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some other information around COVID-19, fertility, and, and in regard to pregnancy, and finish with kind of a developing push right now in regard to the rising cases in New York and the Chinese fake Chinese COVID lab story we're going to get into in California, and where I think that all plays in, and a couple of important things. Before we start, though, I want to say happy birthday to hold the front in the chat. It's nice to see you here on your birthday. And I also want to point out before we get started, probably already going, why is Ryan not wearing his coat? I wanted to make sure people saw this, because what I'm, I've been... I've been Talking about where we're going to be doing a couple of new, uh, oh, did I just screw up my camera? We're going to be doing a couple of new, uh, kind of what I'm going to be labeling a Save the Last American Vagabond campaigns in regard to raising a certain amount every month continuously that we need to kind of maintain what we want to do and, and what we're doing now, to be quite frank, because of all this happening. And that's going to be coming up very soon. Once I launch that campaign, I'll be going into doing more Ask Me Anythings, uh, AMAs, pretty much all this month as much as I can to talk about that and just whatever else you guys want to talk about and trying to raise that, those funds, not just one time thing, but a kind of a continuous, like a, like a signing up monthly kind of thing. So all we really need, if you think about it is I think there's that, that book me and Scott and I were talking about, about so many, I forget what it is, like a thousand followers or whatever the term, the title is. I haven't read it, but the idea being that all you really need to be successful in this is a certain number of dedicated followers. And I think we have that in spades. And I know there's a lot of people out there in this community that are already supporting us. And the point is that what we need is to expand that to find another, you know, so many hundred or 200 dedicated followers that are willing to go five bucks a month or whatever we end up doing, you know. And so we end up having another bulk of amount that can continue consistently forward, because what we're realizing is that, you know, in so many different ways, we are just persona non grata when it comes to anything out there. We're trying to find funding or, you know, people are unwilling to invest, even if they believe in this, because they know that we are going to be attacked. It's it's interesting dynamic, right? Because I've talked to people that are like, look, we love it. We, you got the numbers, you got everything. But the problem is we can tell that you're going to be attacked. They're already suppressing you and they're going to come after you. What happens if your website goes down tomorrow? And we lose our investment. I get it. So the point is... We're going, we're sticking with the model that's working, right? The idea that we exist because of you, we're going to double down on that and, and some other things as best we can. Now on that note, again, back to the point, I'm wearing this to kind of shout this out yet again. You can see the, there you go, free speech absolutist t-shirt, which we have on a uh, big frog platform. I wanted to point these out just because I guess we, people, I think we're misconfusing these as a 
limited thing. We, we've officially made this a, consecu- a, a continual shirt on Big Frog. We also still have our shirts on truthclothing.io, so make sure you check those out. The classic T-Lab shirts everybody loves. But in general, we want to make sure you see these. The Free Speech Absolutist, which I absolutely love this shirt. On the back says, I support the last American Vagabond. And then they added for us in particular a shirt that I love. It's just they, and in quotes, it says, the hierarchy enslaving you for people that always ask what that ultimately means. So make sure you check this out. I appreciate your support as always. Man, we need you guys. That's what's that's what that's the important part about this. So we'll circle back to this in a in a in a, in a probably a couple of shows once I get that new thing up. So on that note, let's get into the first point we're going to get into today, which I got to tell you just is really one of the, it's it's one of those moments that it's like it's 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 worth laughing because this is almost as I it almost we wonder if they want us to think this is stupid or if they want this to be as obvious as it is, but. So Colin uh, Rugg is the one I saw this first, reporting that the FBI agent, Charles McGonigal, which we, I think we've talked about before, who investigated Donald Trump for colluding with Russia. You ready for this? He's set to plead guilty for colluding with Russia. Now, first, I'm like, OK, wait a minute. Like, that just seems almost like cartoonishly stupid. It, it's a, this is this is not because it's on NBC that makes it real. Right. My point would be that NBC wouldn't report this if it wasn't because it's pretty damn embarrassing for them. Right. And even then. It's on pretty much all of the mainstream platforms. The FBI agent pled to plead guilty in Russian oligarch-related case. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. That's really, really ridiculous. Now, first, let's read this. It says, McGonagall, who was a key figure in the Trump-Russia hoax investigation, let's be very real about that. That's not a partisan point. I mean, the facts and truth aren't partisan, as much as the party paradigm want them to be. Now, that doesn't mean that people who don't care whether that's true or not would the point being is people in the paradigm would share this even if it wasn't true. We know that. That being said, this is not a real thing. And I think the evidence has come out to show aggressively that at least how they were framing this wasn't the way it went down. So, the, yes, the Trump-Russia hoax investigation will be pleading guilty after being accused of illegally working for a Russian oligarch. So he's pleading guilty, understand. So, you know, I guess in the way our broken legal system works, you could argue that that might be a deal he's taking in order to get out of potential prison time, but you're still pleading guilty for the crime of working with a Russian oligarch while you were investigating Donald Trump for working with Russia. That's just so stupid. The ex-FBI agent was indicted in January for money laundering and violating U.S. sanctions by working on behalf of Russian billionaire Oleg uh, Depriska. Now, quite frankly, I don't think this is just him kind of making a deal. I think this is quite obviously them accusing him of that which they are guilty. It's It's a classic propaganda. McGonagall also tried getting uh, the Russian oligarch off of the United States sanctions list. <laughs> it's just so silly. Ah, this person follows up with one other point I think was interesting in regard to the actual documentation in the filing. It says, in this McGonagall case, his co-conspirators were never ref- referred to by name, but happened to use the name the big guy. <laughs> now, where have we heard that before? It's almost like that's something from another story. Oh, that's right. You know, Biden and Ukraine. I mean, you, know, you guys all knew that. Totally unrelated. Charles McGonagall and Hunter Biden's daughters play on the same lacrosse team, but totally, totally unrelated. Guys, th- this is interesting. I mean, really try to pull your paradigm perception and perspectives out of this because that's good. This is that they're going to use that against us. I, I, I guarantee some of this is going to be lied about, misrepresented. But the point is. If we just pull back and look at this from a non-two-party paradigm perspective, you know, the guy's lying. He's working with the very people he was saying he was investigating Trump for. Now, does that prove that Trump didn't? No. But I don't think the evidence was in. There's no evidence, as far as I can tell, that shows that Trump was colluding with Russia the way that they were claiming. And here we go. 
It's, it's, it's classic. But here, what's going to happen, I can promise you, is there's going to be a narrative that's set about why this is not the way it looks and people that want to believe that will take it, whether or not there's evidence. That's the COVID narrative. That's the Ukraine narrative. That's every possible thing in the two-party paradigm world. That's how the game is played. So on that note, exactly this example. January 6th is, if not anything, or other, other than most, more than any other story, January 6th has been so wildly politicized. And it's become abundantly clear. And I mean, like, embarrassingly clear that this has been something that, you know, I believe was completely manipulated from the very beginning. And that's why I wrote this and many others. The title January 6th was always a very clear government operation. And the point was not necessarily that there weren't people that committed crimes because that was allowed. But if if you realize that this was sort of a trap that was set, even if people then entered into that trap and then like broke a window, well, there still were being kind of kettled into an illusion. So you could, you know, that's an argument for another day. But the bottom line is we have to understand what this really was. I'll come back to this in one second. This and the whole story is not something we should be dismissing out that, that as a psyop. Like, let's be very real, just like the other story about what this ultimately is. Now, you can stand back and argue, okay, well, they still did this, or you still think Trump drove them to do it. But we need to be real about the evidence that's been presented, about the fact that there were people that were on the record saying they tried to trick them into it, that we have on the record things like Nancy Pelosi calling down people that were supposed to come help or refusing to bring new people in when they were calling for help, or all the videos of opening gates and all the, you know, all these things, you can't just ignore all of this. Doesn't mean you dismiss things that you think are also otherwise valid, but we have to be honest about the information. This is August 8th, yesterday. We're finding out that the committee, in regard to the investigation, and by the way, what happened with that? Right? What, what was the result of the investigation? All these grandmas and people that were taking videos that were, you know, all in, in long-term prison sentence while letting a bunch of other criminals go for other things nobody cares about, or in reverse, I mean. What was the conclusion? Like, wasn't this supposed to be some grand insurrection? Well, the point was it kind of just drifted into the background. They're trying to lump it all on Trump at this point. But the reality is all they really did was charge a bunch of people with trespassing and a very minimal bunch of crimes, lie about the fact that everybody was armed, lie about the fact that everybody was being killed and died, even though most of these were shown to not even be related and died later after the fact. We got lied to in aggressive ways. January 6th committee failed to preserve records, has no data on Capitol Hill security failures. Now, I also, by the way, I'm really unhappy about, and it kind of, quite frankly, confirms my concerns about the two-party illusion, even from the media, even though it seems like they're calling this out, when they say failures. Oh, security failures? Yeah, was it, was it, oops, we failed, and that's why it happened? No, these were planned efforts that we can prove where they were involved with. So when even the Fox News frames it that way, I, let's be real about the two-party illusion. Here's what it says. The House Select Committee that investigated the Capitol riot on January 6, 2021, failed to, and that's what they wrote it as, failed to adequately preserve documents. Oh, did they fail to do that? Data and video depositions. What does this sound like? It sounds like any other example we've seen this on where the Pentagon goes, oops, we burned all those tapes. Oh, you mean the, uh, the what was the one they said before? The Guantanamo? So, oops, we burned it all. We didn't realize you needed that. <laughs> like, come on. Th- this is constant. And and we always seem to give them from the corporate media perspective the benefit of the doubt, like, oops, they just made a mistake. When do they ever get rid of records other than when there's something that they can be held accountable for? This is, I mean, this is a crime as far as I'm concerned. You conduct an investigation, the information doesn't just disappear unless there's a problem, right? Including communications that it had with the Biden White House that are apparently still missing. According to the Republican lawmaker overseeing the GOP investigation into the committee's work. Now, you could argue that means he's lying about it, but 
that's I'm not seeing any indication of that from the other people talking about this, but let's obviously wait to see how it plays out. The now disbanded January 6th committee, which was run by Democrats and included only two GOP members, has also failed to provide any evidence that it looked into Capitol Hill security failures on the day of the riot. That's again how they're writing it. Representative Barry Loudermilk, Republican from Georgia, chairman of the subcommittee on the oversight for the Committee on House Administration, told Fox News. Loudermilk said his staff has had difficulty gathering all the information it needs to investigate the handling of the January 6th investigation. I mean, this is just it's this is banana republic kind of stuff. Quote, part of our task as of this oversight subcommittee is to actually address the security failures. Look into how it did. How did it happen? See, it's crazy that you can even phrase a statement like that. If you can. I mean, they must have seen all the things that we can see. All of the evidence of all the people involved, the agent provocateurs, people like Ray Epps or the multiple FBI agents or I mean, on and on and on. And yet failures, security failures, when you can prove that there's examples of people screaming, we need more backup, and they continue to say no, that's not a failure. That's an action. Failures would be a lack of action. It says, how were these folks able to get into the Capitol? Laudermark says, really? (laughs) Interesting, right? He said the documents they obtained came over in boxes and was completely unorganized. So see, what is interesting about the way this is being framed is from a Republican standpoint, you're going to be inclined to go, yeah, the lefties are trying to hide all the information, which is very clear to me right here. But without almost noticing it, if you're not willing to constantly be critical of the right too, realize that this Fox News article is kind of cementing falsehoods in your mind. Failures of security, right? How'd they get in? Well, we know all this stuff, which most I argue most Republicans aren't going to buy, fall for that, but a lot of people do. Nothing was in, indexed. There was no table of context, contents index. Usually when you conduct this level of investigation, seriously, think about that. What they're calling this an insurrection. Like this is a, if that was real, this would be a really high level investigation, even though it wasn't even remotely an insurrection. The point is that they were framing it that way. And yet they're not conducting this at a level that they would say, you know, you, you take that however you want. The point is that they're not keeping track of the information so nobody else can follow up and see what they did. That's what it feels like to me. He says, use the database system and everything is digitized, indexed. Yeah, especially in the digital age. Come on. That's not how this works. They've, they've, got, they've got how many times you went to the bathroom yesterday. On the, right now, if they want to access it, but they can't figure this out. We got nothing like that. We just got our raw data. It says, so it took us a long time going through it. And then one thing I started realizing is we don't have anything much at all from the blue team. Just it's the, back, the back and forth. Now it says, in response, Thompson wrote a letter saying that Loudermilk's letter had many factual errors and claimed his committee had followed the rules and turned over four terabytes. So this is, see, and this is my point. So even if they can ultimately prove that they got 2.5 and not four, which is what he's saying, you're going to have one side that goes, no, it's the right that's lying. He said they gave four and they gave four. Well, you know, no one wants to, nobody likes to prove these things. The, this is the paradigm side with their side. That's how this works. That's why this is so impossible to get past. But it says Loudermilk told Fox that he only got 2.5 terabytes. So who's lying? If, I mean, it, even if he literally proves there's only 2.5 on the thing they gave them, they'll, ah, he deleted it, or, you know, whatever. People will buy what they want to believe. That's how the paradigm works. Lastly, it says, leadership and law enforcement failures within the Capitol, failures, left the complex vulnerable on January 6th. Come on. I mean, that's almost a straight-up cover-up of what actually happened. This, this is a Republican-led investigation concluded. <laughs> Now, see, this is why I understand why a lot of the right people are calling them rhinos or whatever else. But what we need to do is take that actual next step, the real step, and realize it's not rhinos. It's that all of them, all of them are lying to you. All of them. It's the government and the people of this country. 
There's not not rhinos and lefties and then like this new Patriot Party. All of it, guys, if you're still in the two-party paradigm, you're just dealing with the government. And one, one new variation, another curtain hiding something, and you're all just still dealing with the same lie. So I know some, they don't want to hear it, but I'm trying. The Democrat-led investigation in the House of Representatives, however, has disregarded those institutional failings that exposed the Capitol to violence that day. Additionally, Loudermilk said he came across a letter that was not turned over to his committee from Thompson to White House Special Counsel Richard Saber and and DHS discussing an agreement made between the January 6th committee and the executive branch. That's pretty interesting to interview personnel whose names were later redacted. So explain for me why in the world the executive branch would be making agreements with a committee that is supposed to be investigating what was happening and who was responsible. Are we supposed to pretend that doesn't possibly include the White House? That's wild. That, I mean, that, to me, that invalidates, which probably for 15 other reasons too, but this invalidates the entire thing. You're making secret agreements with one of the groups that are possibly behind. I mean, that's crazy. And then redacting the names. This is what happens when you live in an authoritarian government, guys. We're being lied to about everything. No version of the letter to Mr. Saber, either redacted or unredacted, or the letter to the DHS general counsel was archived by the select committee. Sounds like hiding or destroying information. I'm willing to bet you'll probably find out if this really goes forward that they destroyed this stuff. Additionally, there is no explanation. That's my opinion, by the way. There's no explanation, they say, of what transcripts these letters are referring to or why, in coordination with the then Speaker Pelosi. Exactly. They did not immediately archive the records with the clerk. Did they not want us to know that there were documents that they had sent back to the executive branch? I argue absolutely that's why. He says, Loudermilk asked the White House to provide, quote, all documents that were transmitted or transferred to the White House by the select committee at any time in complete original and unredacted form. Yeah, you mean like just handing over the information? Along with the unredacted communications between Thompson's committee and the White House at the end of last Congress. Loudermilk told Fox News Digital it had been a struggle to not only find all the documents, but to just figure out what they're even missing in the first place. Like, imagine you have, you know, like if you just, if you have, if they just give them a pile of miscategorized paper, exactly, how do you figure out what's not, not there, right? I mean, this, this is what, that's just my, the way I envision that. But the point is, they're not, they're, they're making sure this is kind of impossible to trace back. Not, I shouldn't say impossible, but making it extra difficult. And that is just simply trying to hide the information. I mean, why else would they do that? Now, here's an interesting point that I wanted to kind of step back to. This is from this year, but it was from June 27th. We've already pointed at this, but I wanted to revisit this for a second. Just to give people an understanding of how aggressively they're trying to lie about what really happened. This is coming from CNN, June 27th. It says, quote, their plan is to literally kill people. Senate Democrats reveal, this is during this faux investigation, new details about intel warnings. Ahead of January 6th. Now here, I don't even know why they think this would help their agenda, but think about this for a second. So I'm going to read into it, read the article, but here's what's interesting. They're arguing that they had intel that these these Republicans were coming to ready to kill everybody, right? And then didn't do anything about it. So you're either telling us that you're lying about what you thought, what they were saying, or you you heard that they were going to be violent and then chose to do nothing about it. I mean, how else do you take that? Oh, you'll see what I mean when I read it. So it's almost like they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with this very point, even though all they're really trying to do is highlight the Republicans as murdering maniacs so they get some kind of... I mean, it's, it's kind of wild how this blew up in their face. And, I, you know, and quite frankly, it may, this may be confusing to some, but I mean the government, not just the left or the right. That's what's hard for people to wrap their minds around. But it says the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol was essentially, quote, essentially planned in plain sight on social media. 
Now, what's crazy about that is, yeah, it was it was a protest, first of all, openly planned as a protest. That, and, and the moment, they, I mean, even that's why there was no guns, because they were, look, look, we're doing this as a protest. So, yeah, it was openly planned. But as long as they keep calling it an insurrection and they just point to how they were planning to do they they go, oh, my God, look, you could see him right there saying we're going to go to the Capitol. Well, yeah, but only when you slant that into being something that it's not, it becomes something that's nefarious. But it says, and yet the FBI and Department of Homeland Security appeared to have, quote, completely dropped the ball on a Senate committee concluded in the latest highly critical assessment of the security failures. So the, the point is that even the, so the committee, CNN, the left, are all framing this as just, a, a, oops, we failed, and that's why it was allowed to happen. But it's their fault it was violent. And then Fox seems to come in the other side of it and go, yeah, security failures, but they're hiding everything. You starting to get my point about that? I mean, I'm not that isn't probably hard for a lot of Republicans to see today. Fox News has lost a lot of their main Republican following, as far as I can tell. But what's interesting here, dro- completely drop the ball the way that the, I mean, it's we have to remember how many different examples we have of not just gates being open, but people involved, people not just and not even just like Ray Epps. Right. All the different examples of all these different people that were guiding and driving and manipulating people on the ground. I mean, it's just so much. It's hard to even this deserves. And I mean, I I believe there's already people who have but writing books about this. Now, it says internal communications from both agencies obtained by Democrats on the panel reveal new details about how top officials either ignored or dismissed clear indicators of potential violence by pro-Trump actors ahead of the U.S. Capitol attack, leaving law enforcement unprepared for what ultimately unfolded that day. Okay, so right there then. So when two different times when the Capitol Police were calling Pelosi specifically for reinforcements and twice were told no, that was early on, right in the beginning of this conversation, that was one of the first things I saw come out. How exactly do you argue you're unprepared if you continue to shut down more? I mean, wouldn't that be the first thing you would do? Instead of having maybe, you know, two Capitol Police by a a gate when you know there's a bunch of people coming? I mean, it seems like a choice, doesn't it? At the same time, the report states that former President Trump, quote, was the primary cause of the insurrection. And this is their ultimate point, I would argue, which is why the bipartisan House committee, January 6th Select Committee investigation demonstrated. Why? Well, because he said, you know, things like, go find those notes or, you know, go, what is it, you know, fight like hell or whatever. Right, because you know that's what he means? Well, no, that's a wink-wink. We know what he actually means, or we know what we want him to mean. Well, he could have meant anything else. Fight politically, right? I don't know. Maybe he did mean fight in the Capitol, but the point is they don't either. Now, what I'm going to show after this is things you've probably already seen. 45 examples of people on the left in old otherwise co- other contexts calling for literal violence. But it's interesting how this is the only one that matters because it's, I don't even think this is about going after Trump. I think this is driving an agenda. And maybe at the expense of Trump. I've always thought that he's somebody they're using. But it says President Trump, his lawyers, and elected officials seeking to curry favor repeated false claims that the election was stolen. And I have a clip for that too. Well, it wasn't false claims. Both sides cheated aggressively, as happens pretty much every election in this country ever. But we can point to them saying similar things in the past. So it's not unprecedented. And guess what? They do have a constitutional right to be able to say, first of all, anything (laughs) that's constitute that's free speech but realize that if he actually thought it was stolen which by the way i also think that and so does pretty much anyone with a brain not stolen per se if you think that both sides are cheating but yeah i mean that's what it amounts to right they cheated and manipulated votes but i do think all sides are trying the point is that he has a right to say that but even if he's wrong doesn't he have a right to say that if he truly believes that it was like at what point or think about the argument Let's say you're wrong, but you truly believe that. Are you not supposed, you're not allowed to say that? (laughs) Like, that's a really weird dynamic. The point is they they just don't like when he says it. 
But it says, and that coupled with President Trump's calls for a protest in January 6th. So you're not allowed to call for a democratically elected process? Or you mean, I said elected, Democrat, excuse me, a constitutionally protected process? I mean, think about the, how crazy that is. It's only interesting, it's only perceived from or framed from them as a bad thing because they go, well, he's calling for violence. But that's not actually even remotely what happened. In fact, numerous times he said, don't be violent, but they don't talk about that. And, you know, and remember, I am not a fan of Donald Trump. I, I mean, I, any of them for that matter. Just I'm a fan of the truth. But it says on oh, January 6th, that would be wild. It, it says, uh, coupled with President Trump's calls for protests in D.C. on January 6th, that would be that would be wild directly contributed to this attack. Like it, what? So because he said it would be wild, they quote that. And they're so reaching. It's so it's sad. The report goes on to say, quote, but the fact remains the federal agency's task of preventing domestic terrorism and disseminating intelligence, namely FBI and I, I and I, I and A, I'll show you what that is next, did not sound the alarm. And much of the violence that followed on January 6th may have been prevented had they done so. So, you know, breaking windows and pushing their way by. And, you know, the only person that was actually truly killed in, on the scene was shot by the Capitol Police in a very weird and suspicious process. But it's interesting that they keep framing it this way. Domestic terrorism, insurrection, like it's embarrassing, right? They still right now, many of them say armed insurrection. Why? With, with, with sticks and stones? I mean, it's really embarrassing what they push. And even videos, I actually, I forgot about that. The video of Nancy Pelosi's daughter on the record saying, you know, they, they, they wasn't an insurrection. They, 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 you know, no, it's usually they march in and they have a plan. And they didn't even have that. And they're laughing about how they want to frame it that way. Like, how can we have all that evidence and they just can't find it? No, they're choosing to ignore it. It says, asked about the Senate report, the DHS spokesperson told CNN that since the Capitol attack, the department, quote, has strengthened intelligence analysis, information sharing, and operational preparedness to help prevent acts of violence and keep our communities safe. So what they're essentially doing here is blaming the FBI and everybody. Well, they they had information. They didn't do anything about it. But what was the information exactly? has taken, quote, steps to enhance its capacity and collect and produce intelligence about homeland security threats. So also, by the way, they're using this to just beef up the same things they've already done. How is that? Isn't it interesting how it always works that way? Right. So the, we need more money and more security, more surveillance and less constitutional rights for your safety. And then they give it to them, even though we don't want that. And then this happens and they go, it's because we didn't have enough money and more security every single time. Oh, somebody got shot. We need more money and we need less rights every single time. And what happens? Well, it happens again. Oh, we need more money. It's over and over and over. That's how, that's how stupid they think we are. They're wrong. By the way, in case you didn't know, they're the Office of Intelligence and Analysis. And yet another endless bureaucratic office from extension from another intelligence apparatus. It's, it's just incredible. And just, I, I'm willing to bet you my life that there are probably more, like, look, however many we think there are, there's probably twice as many of those that we don't even know exist right now. Using your tax dollars to fund black market everything around the world. That's how this is going for me. You know, my perception, I should say. But it says the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021 was a violent assault on our democracy. It's just, it's just, it's not, I mean, it's not a correct framing, not even remotely. In a statement to CNN, the FBI said it worked with law enforcement agencies to share information before and during the Capitol attack. Okay. So why are they saying they didn't do anything, though? They're going, look, here's our information. And they're going, they failed to tell everybody what was going on. Among his conclusions, the report states that there was a noticeable uptick in violent online rhetoric ahead of the January 6th, particularly on right-wing pro-Trump media sites, which was identified by intelligence analysts in both agencies, yet never deemed 
to represent a credible threat. Well, you know why free speech? Number two, because these people, the way what they're framing, and you can look at the information that they're pointing out of violent online rhetoric, are people going, they stole the election. These people are criminals. They need to be hung because they're treasonous, right? I get that. I get that, but the point is, it's not the way they're framing this. Now, the one I say about being hung, of course, I say that because those are circulating. And that you could frame as a crime or whatever else. I don't, I think free speech trumps all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's in the context of a democracy and the, the voting situation and the, and the election was stolen and we're fighting for what they argue is their constitutional rights. It's a little sticky to try to frame that like the way they are, right? I mean, quite obviously. But they can point at whatever they want. I mean, they can point at Donald Trump saying, go out and do your best as some kind of violent call for white supremacy Nazi attacks. That's how stupid this is. And maybe it is, <laughs> but it's, we don't know because he didn't say that. The point is, that is how this game is played so far. They, 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 Trump will sneeze a wrong way and they go, he's calling for violence. And that's it. That's everywhere. Same thing overseas, by the way. It's the same way they connect their foreign policy. Their, their allies will murder people in broad daylight and they go freedom. And something in Iran happens and you don't even know, like with Bolton, <laughs> they're moving boats in their own harbors. It becomes a credible threat. We remember, this is history. It's all in front of us. Over 1,000 people have been charged in connection with the January 6th Capitol attack. And don't forget, they've already testified, the whistleblowers that they also attacked, were saying they opened an, an individual terrorism, domestic terrorism investigation into each one of these people, whether they were investigated and found to be crime, criminal actors or not. And then what they do, they pointed at all the investigations and go, wow, look at the uptick in domestic terrorism in the country. <laughs> They're just so blatantly dishonest, and that was very clearly shown. Well, what they should have done is open one investigation into, well, none really, but one investigation into January 6th under domestic terrorism, if that's the way they want to frame it. Because most of those people didn't do anything, but they framed every single one of them. And now all of a sudden there's a thousand percent uptick in domestic terrorism. So embarrassing. Members of the far right groups of the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys have pleaded guilty to or been convicted of seditious conspiracy. I think they're the only couple that got this one seditious conspiracy charge for their role in planning to stop Biden from assuming the presidency. Is that what that was happening? Let's be clear about this. Both of them have been shown to have FBI informants in their groups. Why would we take anything that they put forward as face value? Seriously. I mean, the guy specifically, what was his name again? <laughs> Enrique, I think, the <clears throat> one of the leaders, has been shown to be an FBI, infor FBI informant. So we need to start. I mean, I'm not saying I know for sure that either of those groups are completely co-opted, but how do we know? If that's already been admitted to, and then they become the one that get primarily charged with exactly what they want you to think is happening. Come on. We just got to be smarter than this. The FBI is still looking for hundreds of individuals they believe committed violent acts. All right, what happened to the person that shot Ashley Babbitt? No, no one cares about that. What happened to all the other, I mean, all the, any number of violent actors? How about all the time? Well, you know, what about is it, Ryan? It's what everyone loves to point to say when that kind of question comes up. Look at foreign policy. Look at what they're doing to. Yemenese people look at what they're doing all over the world, but we care about this. Yeah, I mean, to a degree, I get it. It doesn't mean that these things don't matter when they're doing it over there, but it's pretty hypocritical for the U.S. government to say you're, you know, that you're a treasonous insurrectionist when, when they're over here kicking people's teeth in around the world for, the, for freedom, you know. But under the part that says, please, please take this tip seriously, both the FBI and DHS Office of Intelligence and Analysis obtained multiple tips from numerous sources in the days and weeks leading up to the attack that should have raised alarms. Okay, here's what I think is ridiculous. So leading up to this, they have the information. They're watching people online. They're, they're talking in open chats and saying, look, we're going to protest. We know they stole this. We're going to, you know, even to the point where you argue that they feel like they are going to try to change the outcome. 
But at no point that I can see is it like, let's go in and violently overthrow these people. But I do think some people felt that way. I think that's very clear. But to argue that everybody there was involved in some organized insurrection is just blatantly false. And so when we then, right before, get these reports from anonymous tips that say exactly what didn't end up happening, it sounds a little suspicious. Just my opinion. It says, among the specific examples cited to the report, a 2020 tip the FBI received warning one far-right group, the Proud Boys, who, you know, has an FBI informant with them, because that's not suspicious, plan to be in D.C., and their, quote, their plan is to literally kill people. Yeah, but they showed up unarmed, so does that not matter? Well, no, we won't talk about that, <laughs> right? Totally, totally real when they just didn't even show up. Like, that sounds to me like setting the narrative. It says, please, please take this tip seriously, investigate further, says the anonymous person calling from the White House. You know, it's like, come on. I'm, not, I'm, I'm joking, but the point is, who knows? It's an anonymous tip that wasn't even accurate, but we're supposed to pretend that means that they were going to kill people? Well, that's what they want you to think. In the recent trial against several leaders of the Proud Boys, it was revealed right there, the FBI had more than a dozen informants. <laughs> How was <laughs> More than a dozen informants in the far-right group, they call it far-right group, of the January 6th attack. So there's a dozen informants in this group, and we're supposed to pretend like, I mean, why wouldn't they then stop this before it happened if it was a big insurrection? Right? Well, that's kind of what they're doing here. CNN and, and the White House are saying it's their fault. <laughs> they didn't stop the unarmed people from not, you know, it's, it's, I don't even know how to not laugh at this. And I'm not trying to diminish that there were crimes, you know, but let's not forget, there's provable examples of people that were, as we'll get into next, people that were undercover officers or people who were Antifa or left-leaning people who are on the record going, we did it, we tricked them, we got, who are seen breaking windows and are seen being pulled back by all of the right-leaning people and then getting attacked by that person. You have to acknowledge that took place. So that doesn't mean that every window broken because I argue there were people there that were just going along with the crowd. And so they just kind of followed along. But I believe this was set up. I think the evidence is very clear, by the way. It says these analysts messaged each other on January 6th saying, feel like people are actually going to try and hurt politicians. January 6th is going to be crazy. And lots of discussions from coming armed, about coming armed disease of DC. And then I don't think we saw a single weapon. A, a, a gun, let's say. How do you make sense of that? And realize that the only people, like let's, people like Jake and the rest of them that got in somewhere in there near where they were, like in the main chamber, what'd they do? They were walking around, smiling, talking with the police. The guy's sitting on the ground on his phone, walking between the lines. I mean, it's just so plainly insulting that they want to frame it this way. Trump, who is currently leading a crowded Republican primary field ahead of 2024, continues to downplay and make false claims that they think is false, but I don't. I think it's absolutely accurate about the events of January 6th. <clears throat> Peters acknowledged that polit political reality could pose a challenge as he seeks to implement reforms outlined in his report. Right, so just, you know, we can't allow this guy to be president because he's going to lie more, right? Or And that's what they're doing. Don't forget, the last time they said they had an entire secret apparatus that was trying to stop, but that's let's not manipulate the election, though. No, because freedom, and we're on the right side. Yeah, so you're children, and you don't realize that you're just doing the same thing, but you're when we do it, it's right, right? You might as well be Nixon. When the president does it, it's legal. It's like, you guys only think you're allowed to let, break the law or do whatever you want. When Trump does it, it's, a, it's just hypocritical, right? Ultimately, I do think this amounts to just trying to create the dynamic that allows this in general or let's just makes us stop caring about it it says there are serious threats that the american public face from internal domestic terrorism and it's our duty to protect our citizens and our constituents he added 
This is the person speaking about Trump and the bad guys, which, you know, so you're creating psychological operations to trick Americans into breaking the law. And then you argue that's the threat. Like, so it's, it's, a, it's a problem reaction solution scenario, right? Because we are the focus. Americans are the focus. Special counsel Jack Smith is currently overseeing a criminal investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election and January 6th, a probe that could ensnare several Trump allies and possibly even Trump himself. Finally, it says, according to emails obtained by the committee, FBI officials did not learn about a switch in contracts to monitor open source information until the day the change was set to take effect. This, of course, the very last thing they talk about in the article, which most people probably won't even see. Guess what? There was a weird switch in surveillance, guys, right before this happened. Epstein didn't kill himself, right? Weird. The cameras were all turned off. What happened? We don't know. This is so embarrassing. The Senate panel uncovered how details about how a change in the FBI's open source modern capabilities days before the Capitol put them at a disadvantage. Wah, wah. FBI officials didn't learn about it until right before Je- Je- December 31st, 2020. The FBI had been using data miner, <laughs> sounds great, when, which used predefined search terms to identify potential threats from voluminous open source posts online. So just searching social media, and the change to a new company called Zero Fox, which, by the way, somebody should look into. Probably somebody already has. On January 1st. <laughs> Great. So, five days before this was supposed to take place, they just decided to switch their own security system. Why not? On the, on the FBI's last day, under data miner contract, the Washington field office sent an email to the FBI office of the chief information officer stating, an urgent need for the data miner replacement to be working by January 4th. Think about that. So you press an urgent need to get this new system up and running bef- two days before this happens. Quote, in support of some potential issue in the D.C. area. So why would you logically create a, a new system that people would be unfamiliar with, that would lo- likely create gaps, because you're still learning the system two days before this big thing was supposed to happen. You know my opinion. The employees argued that not having a social media tool that they were trained on would, of course, inhibit their ability to track these threats. What do you know? And what they do? They said, do it anyway. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Let's create a situation where we can have these kind of gaps so we can then create the problem we want to point at and say the FBI let it happen and it's all Trump's fault. We're not this stupid. And I think they're realizing that very quickly. Quote, Do you have a timeline on when we will release the new system? The sudden discontinuation is most untimely as much of our crisis response funnels through data miner. So these are the FBI agents who are telling the White House, we have reports, we think this is coming, there is a problem. And then they make them switch their security system two days before. And then they even go, look, look, when are we doing this? There's going to be a problem. So who's the one that actually ignored information? Who's the one that actually allowed this problem? If you think it is anyway. I think it's about hiding what they were doing. Jennifer Moore who had that message forwarded to her and is identified by the report as the executive assistant director of human resources at the FBI wrote back after they said, when's this going to be up? We need this because that's everything to us. Paraphrasing. She wrote back. How did the, how did it expire without a replacement firmly solidified? Is this the first notice we've gotten? Ugh. (laughs) Think about that. So they're sitting there going, what happened? How did this just happen so right? Because this was how it was meant to go. So you could have this gap, so it could be utilized, so it could be exploited and pointed at later. The Washington field office, that's my opinion, staff replied, quote, yep, had no idea it was coming. 
Unless they are turning on the replacement January 1st, we're in an unfortunate spot for the next week. Gosh, this is so stupid. So they made it a situation, forced it in, knowing that it would keep there would be a gap in this exact moment where they would argue it was necessary, but they would use to argue that they, the FBI failed. Which, by the way, I'm no supporter of the FBI. I think it should be shut down in general. My point, though, is this is just creating a situation where this could take place. The FBI stated that the transition from data miner to zero Fox days before January 6th, quote, was a challenge and not ideal, according to a written statement. I mean, this just keeps getting more and more ridiculous, guys. This is from June 27th. My point is we've already pointed at this, but take this in conjunction with the fact that they're now hiding everything from their very investigation. This is Banana Republic stuff, guys, but, but that's nothing new if you're paying attention. But don't forget, as I pointed out before, you watch this show if you haven't seen none of the work we've done. This, I have one even earlier back that says something similar, but this was on March 8th, 2023. I was following up on the, all the information. We have the, the evidence of this guy as well as others on the ground, his own videos that we watch in this show where he goes, we did it, we tricked him. I can't believe it. And we, it's magic that the January 6th committee just couldn't find that, right? Or all the Ray Epps information or all the information we know that shows this was completely set up or the fact that we have people that were literally, and it's not just a bit image, watch the show, part of the Azov movement who were there screaming, let's go in Russian. On video, guys. <laughs> it's just as stupid as it gets. Why? Because if you watch my re- work on this, you realize that there was an effort to try to create the illusion that this was a Russia effort to overthrow the United States. It's very simple. Jake Sullivan, thank you for the name. That's this guy here. Oh, no, that's Jake Sullivan's this guy. What was this guy's name up here? I forget for people in the chat. I'll say it if you write it down up there. But the point is that they wanted that to be the case so they could point back at Russia and say, Russia tried to overthrow the government, that it's, they're seeding Nazism here and in Ukraine. And that's the Azov movement, guys. But it's the U.S. government, the CIA, that has been building the Azov movement for four years. I've gone over this aggressively, extensively. Hopefully somebody big talks about it, and we'll get to talk about it everywhere. <clears throat> but follow up on this, guys. It's very important. Now, here's a video that Chuck just put out. Or rather, I think it was, uh, I forget who originally put it out, but it's been circulating. A video of an officer talking about identifiers for undercover cops. Now, and here's here's a guy pointing out one of the things a candy stripe he's talking about, and a video showing some of these people. There's the, this one of them. I mean, guys, these are undercover officers. There's one of them drinking with the guy right there. See? Okay, so there's the candy stripes he's talking about. You can see him. Oh, you're going to hear him talk about. So some people are making valid points about wristbands. Personally, I don't care about the wristbands. I care more about the fact that there were known agitators put into place. That's what Kevin says here. I agree with that. People like Ray Epps, for example, who, by the way, is on record saying, go into the Capitol, and even admitted being instigating, excuse me, instigating it, his word, never charged with anything. Acting like he's being framed or somehow. The one guy that clearly called everyone's going, he's a fed, he's a fed. This is an important video, but my point is, I don't think this is as, there's always, always, always undercover cops in just about anything, especially around the Capitol. So I don't think this is as profound as knowing that there were multiple FBI agents there, right? That's way bigger to me. But nonetheless, just in case this matters to you more, this is important to see. Maybe uh, do, uh, digital do your non-uniform guys have any identifiers? Like wristbands? they will have a wristband. Their guns will have a candy stripe on the barrel. Okay. I don't know the wristband color, but they'll have a wristband somewhere. Okay. 
So, I mean, God, it's so obvious this whole thing was, you know, we, they, they knew, I mean, based on their narrative that there was something building and coming and so they were prepared. So my point is that even with their narrative, they would have people there, right? So I, this, it's being framed as kind of like the gotcha. I don't think that's what this really is because that would happen either way. But with the body of evidence, it's exactly what's going on, guys. We are being manipulated with what happened here. And they're still using it to this day. Starting the war. I mean, look, they already initiated the war on domestic terrorism because of this. So just like with the Patriot Act, the lie about 9-11, we're going to go forward with it regardless, no matter how much we prove about it. So we just got to stop that, too. But here is important, or an important clip that I've, I've actually played before. Kyle Becker posts this. If your argument is that Trump incited the Capitol riots because he said fight like hell, which is pretty much the most damning. I don't, I don't, I don't even think it's damning, but that's what they would argue, the most damning statement they have. Because nowhere is he saying, take back the Capitol or overturn the election. It's not happening. They just argue that's what he wink, wink actually meant. Because that's how stupid this is. But what he's saying is be sure to sit down because, well, I don't think it'll blow your mind. But here are all the people on the other side of the illusion quite literally calling for violence. So I don't know why, you know, it just shows you a hypocrisy at the very least. Have some video to play that highlights some of what I'm talking about. I preface this video by noting I am not showing you this video as some excuse for Mr. Trump's speech. This is not about, this is not whataboutism. I am showing you this to make the point that all political speech must be protected. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. Well, you have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take them out now. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Please get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to teach the This is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> They're just such hypocrites. You know, and some of those are, you know, individual comments, right? But some of them are in the context of literally driving, like, like Nancy Pelosi's dismissal was about a violent protest. Which, you know, I'll call it a protest because there were people protesting there. But there was also violent people that were create, carrying out acts of violence, right? And those aren't, those aren't protesters. Those are violent rioters. The point is that that is something you do. Oh, well, it's going to happen if you don't listen to what they have to say. It's amazing how you'll allow, you'll just, just snidely dismiss that. 
while these people are unarmed and not working. I mean, the point is that ultimately what happened was driven into reality. We can prove that with the people leading the charge, with Ray Epps driving the, per- the one of the very first moments they broke through those gates. It's just so blindly. It's frustrating because, you know, even me for talking about this will get framed as a partisan thing. And it's really not. It's just about what we can prove. Now, here's Cano the Great pointing out. Uh, lying Democrats denying election results, right? And, you know, as always, this is not about a partisan thing. It's about showing you that the the way that the, like, but I've always pointed out people like Pelosi and even possibly Trump, I don't think they realize. I think they believe their own lies. They're not even their own lies. They believe the lies. They're, they feel like they're part of this. I don't think they're truly in the know, most of these people. You really think Pelosi knows what's going on? Surprised she even knows her name sometimes, or Biden, or plenty of other people like Lindsey Graham. I don't think these people really know what's going on, in my opinion. But, when they do things like this, it's about dividing you among, against your neighbor. That's why you always find these images of all of them laughing and having a good time together in different contexts because they're not really fighting each other ultimately. So here's a video showing how many, and this, I'll just play a couple parts of it because it's like a 10-minute video showing you them blatantly denying election results, which, by the way, is their constitutional right. But they don't care about that when anybody else does it. The best campaign... You can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what thing. I'm scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. So the point is right there. If Trump says that literally anywhere, they accuse him of trying to overthrow a country. They accuse him of the most bellicose, ridiculous, over-the-top concept because he argues that the election was stolen. Well, so why don't they get charged with the same thing? That's the only point being made here. It's blatantly hypocritical. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? <laughs> Folks, look. I- you know, the only reason they say it's okay is because they, they were, we're right, though. Right? Like we're in kindergarten. Like, but I'm right, and that's why it's okay, so we're allowed to say it. But he's wrong. He can't say it. Like, it's, it's just people buy that because... Politics is childish, or politics is, or art, or childish, however you say that. I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election, and he was put into office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. And let's not forget that the supposed investigation proved that they were wrong. (laughs) More, I mean, again, now the guy's right now being arrested for actually colluding with Russia, who was investigating Donald Trump. Like, think about that. It is. President-elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president. Wow. Who is- look at how different she looks now. My God, look at look at her. Outcome of the election. Woo, man. She, well, she lost like 40 pounds. That's sad. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. Yeah, what a liar. Like this, she is just a gremlin. <laughs> that woman is horrible. Now, the point is that they know they're lying, right? They know this. Some of them anyway. Like the others and the ones like I would say, like, it's, I, I'm not going to get it. I, my opinion, I could decide 
personally which ones I think might be in the know or not. That would just be my opinion. But ultimately, I think some of them might. But the, the bottom line is the information has now shown that they were wrong. Nothing's happened about that. Why doesn't that matter, right? I mean, that's the obvious point that people on the right are making. And it's a valid point because it's wildly hypocritical. Here's another example of social media and, and the – like right now from a Biden White House perspective, since we can prove that they were – like strong arming social media camp companies to do what they want. But that, let's not pretend like that wasn't happening during Trump and or before, because it was, but Musk's X. So Twitter find $350,000. This just happened in a secret justice department fight over Donald Trump's records. <laughs> it just, it, it just seems so silly. This is all, this is a witch hunt guys. It's about creating the context for, you know, and I, I don't even know what they think they're going to get. Isn't Trump's tweets, public information. I mean, it's, it's all visible. I don't know what they think that maybe is direct messages. And then doesn't that violate exactly his privacy? Yes, it does. So that's, that's why he declined and he's being charged with that. So it's, I, lo- I love how Elon Musk is totally willing to protect one person's free speech <laughs> or, or privacy rights, but not anybody else's. Now, this one is really important, I think, because it's highlighting what, what we already know, but this is developing. And I'm wondering where this ultimately goes. Personally, call me a pessimist. I think it will mean nothing, just like it didn't mean anything for Clinton or the Clinton Foundation. But this is from James Comer saying, I just released the new Biden family bank records and outline how the Bidens received millions from oligarchs in Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, while he was VP. Here is the, uh, the, the post the, you know, from the, over, the oversighthouse.gov web- website. He releases the bank memo detailing these payments. And it says he released a third bank record memorandum detailing. Why are those right there? That's so stupid. Look at that. What a dumb design. Why would you block your own writing? Stupid. P- typical government stupid thing. Released a third bank records memorandum detailing information obtained in the committee's investigation into Biden's family influence peddling schemes. The Bidens and their business associates received millions from oligarchs in Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine during Joe Biden's vice presidency. After Hunter Biden received millions in payments, then Vice President Joe Biden dined with his son. Foreign, uh, let me do this real quick just to see if that's still there. That wasn't there when I was highlighting this. That's so stupid. God, I hate because so stupid. Anyway, the point is clear. Below is a summary of the third bank record memorandums. The, the full memorandum can be found here, and you can read it for yourself. Now, think about how dumb this is in the context of, you know, Russian, you know, the, the, the Russia sold the election for Donald Trump, and then the guy being arrested for investigating it was investigating was arrested for actually colluding with russia and then you can have literal financial records showing that biden is getting money from russia yeah seems like we're all being lied to i hope we can all begin to see that so let's talk about how you know obviously these people are and again this is not a left-right paradigm thing this is not just Biden's administration this has been going on in ukraine from from obama to trump to even before then so when and I, I say Ukraine because Newland, but realize that Newland is now going to Niger. And we're going to talk about Ukraine again in a second. But these people are just dishonest liars who are pushing in their agenda at the expense of everything and everyone. That is not my opinion. I mean, it is my opinion, but the point is the facts over decades show this. We can prove that she was involved with the illegal coup in Ukraine that has left what is happening now. The most extremist element that I can see right now who is building aggressively and continuing to murder people in Donbass and elsewhere are because of these people. You have them on the record deciding who's going to be in power, and they still call it a democracy. I mean, it's just so willfully stupid. 
But she traveled, as she wrote, to the capital of Niger to express grave concern at the undemocratic attempts to seize power. Did you do that when they invaded Syria or when they overthrew Libya or when they overthrew Afghanistan? Did you care then? No, no, you didn't, though, because you're a hypocrite. Or any other place or any other time Israel does so. No, nope, no. Nope. What about Golan Heights? Didn't care? No, didn't care. So you're a ridiculous person and you're not serious. An urge to constitutional order, as I said. So, yeah. I said, Nefarious Newland is in Nigeria. Let's, let's, let's get that Nefarious Newland. I like that. Or how about No Freedom Newland? So yeah, this is going to get ugly. These people are truly despise, these people being the U.S. government, truly despise exactly what they pretend to be protecting. Constitutional order is the absolute last thing she's trying to achieve. They're trying to achieve control over the area for both geostrategic placement as well as resources. That's the truth. And they know that there. So here's what happened. She traveled to Nigeria, which I'm surprised they even let her come, and held talks with the military government officials. U.S. Acting Deputy Secretary of State, which is ridiculous, Victoria Newland said on Monday that she traveled to Nigeria's capital and held talks with their senior officials. Newland said during the meeting that government officials did not take up U.S. suggestions. Oh, shocker. To try to restore democratic order, which is all what they mean by that is putting the person they want back in power. That's all that means. And that her request to meet Nigeria's ousted president was declined. Newland said that she did not have the opportunity to meet with the coup leader because they don't respect who this person is or anything they're asking for. That's why. It also says uh, she also threatened the junta to force it to refuse to cooperate with Russia. I mean, why? See, well, see how embarrassing that is? So if your issue is about restoring democracy, then wouldn't that be allowing them to make deals with whoever they want? <laughs> yeah. Nope. See, because that's not democracy. They want control and call that democracy. Because the point is, these people want to make deals with people that won't rob them and pretend they're doing things for freedom. It says, quote, after I warned them, the leaders in Nigeria are well aware of the dangers of allying with Russia. <laughs> yeah. The dangers are if you ally with Russia, the U.S. government will try every which way they can to destroy you and all of your people. They call that freedom. Here is a report from Al Jazeera, Divi divisions as ECOWAS military threat fails to play out. Now, of course, this is the, the threat that was floated, right? That the ECOWAS alliance is going to invade. But the point was that at least arguably, which they don't seem to care about in most cases, they need UN approval, right? But the US never cares about that. But maybe they did, who knows? But the point was they threatened all sorts of literal kinetic military action and then didn't do it because <laughs> it seemed like it was a hollow threat. Now, the point was, oh, I think I had it highlighted. I, uh, I lost it. Oh, well, I was gonna, the point was just simply that they have basically threatened to invade, and then it didn't happen. That was on the 6th. And so my point is, because of that, the threat, they didn't buy it, didn't take the bait, so the threat didn't happen. So I think we see this stuff happen afterward, right? So Newland goes, threatens them. They say, get out of here. We don't care what you think. <laughs> and the she uh, people like her, that, that is the last, they can't stand that. Right? She was probably seething. And then, of course, the threats from ECOWAS didn't carry. Okay, so and then, oh, on top of that, we have the EU special envoy. And this is how I mean, look at this very wildly unhealthy person. That's the kind of people that are leading us today. And the point is that this is they're admitting to you everything we always tell you. That sanctions are not about doing anything other than hurting the people. So those people then rise up because they can't. It, they get, they, they, it's about desperation. Let's make them so, so desperate. They're starving. They can't feed their children. So they're like, look, we don't even care who's in charge. Stop what's happening. That is the literal documented outline for how these things are supposed to work. It's economic terrorism. It's straight up terrorism. 
And by the way, the U.S. government or even the EU as an entirety are not supposed to be able to levy sanctions independently against other nations without U.N. approval. They don't care. None of them do. Not China, not Russia. They've got this age of and the only reason this matters is because of financial control, which is slowly changing. Right. But get, look at what she said. There is not enough medicine, food, electricity is missing even more than before. What an what an absolute maniac like you're you're going and look, we have Rudy Giuliani on the record in the past admitting that because Iranians were selling their organs for food, that the sanctions were working because he's he too. They're admitting this stuff. What she's telling you right there is everything they tell you isn't what happens. Sanctions don't stop food or, or, or medicine. How dare you suggest that? Well, yeah, that's exactly what they do. So right now, the EU is making sure that these people, not the government, the people suffer. They're starving. They can't feed. They can't help them. They can't give medicine to their children. They can't even heat their homes. More than before, because it was always because of the outside forces. And now they're just pressing it even further. And that's them succeeding with their sanctions. Guys, understand how clear that is. This diplomat stressed that if EU wants to the junta to weaken, then the sanctions must be continued. Right, because that'll reduce medicine, food, and electricity, because that's how it works. Anybody confused? These people are villains. I mean, look, I don't even care if you think that the Nigeria situation is not what the people want. You're still taking action that directly hurts the people to get what you want. You are the villain in the situation. Unbelievable. And guess what else? The World Bank steps up and is alarmed by events in Nigeria. Everybody loves when anything they want to happen happens and they can frame it as democracy and revolution. But of course, when it's a real people-backed revolution for freedom, they can't stand it. Of course, now everybody's alarmed. How? Because the point is, democracy scares these people. Well, let's put it this way. I don't believe in democracy. Representative governments and people-backed movements scare the hell out of these people because they can't control it like they do military dictatorships. It's exactly what they want. And maybe that's why she thought, hey, let's talk to them. Maybe they'll be what we like. As long as we get what we want, we don't care. But the military group pushed her out, and now this is what's happening. Pausing disbursements, right? And what does that do? Does it hurt the, the government? No, it hurts the people. That's the point. And why do they have the ability to do that? Because historically, the, the, the puppets that were there before, like the Bazoom, the person they put out of the way, allowed these foreign powers to be able to have this control over their resources and their money. The World Bank on Wednesday said it was alarmed by the efforts to overthrow the democratically, it wasn't a democratically elected president, and had suspended disbursements to the African country until further notice. Nigeria has one of the largest World Bank portfolios. See, it's not yours. It's theirs. Amounting to $4.5 billion. That's not their money, guys. That's been the groups that have been ruling this, the oligarchy that has been siphoning off. I think it was uh, Sarah Abdullah pointed out. Abdullah. $40 billion in gold resources, and yet they only have a $9 billion GDP? Yeah, they're being robbed blind, and they all see it. And now they're going, oh, yeah, your money? We're going to go ahead and hold on to that until you do what we want, just like they tried to do in Venezuela. These people are criminals, guys. It's as plain as day. Now, guess what also happened? Guess what France just did, according to the Nigerian military? They accused France of destabilizing actions, of having freed 16 jihadists, as well as of having violated the closure of Niger's airspace by flying an A400M there this morning. You see, this is why they're so desperate to maintain their foothold, because they need these locations. Here is a DD Geopolitics reports. The French Specialist Service has conducted a special operation in Niger to free the leaders of the terrorist organizations. You know, the same people that they claim that they're trying to fight the whole time. 
but weirdly are still there and ready whenever they need them. You know, that's how it works. The authorities of Nigeria said that 16 leaders of terrorist groups detained in June, the leaders, by the way, were released by the French armed forces. Earlier, ECOWAS declared no intention to conduct a military operation in Nigeria. Today, it, is, it also became known that the French armed forces attacked the National Guard of Nigeria and violated the airspace in order to suppress the rebellion. All illegal actions, but, you know, they don't care. Because illegal actions in the pursuit of what they pretend is freedom is all okay. Right? Anything we break the law is all okay as long as we yell freedom really loud. That's where this goes. The point is, guys, that this is very clear. What's happening here is criminal in every possible way. Whether or not you think what happened in Nigeria is loud. They are breaking the law. And it, here, what we need to laugh about is how they always pretend that they're guiding light and for freedom and democracy. And then at the, at the, it's the earliest opportunity. They will do exactly what the bad guy does. Oh, well, they're using cluster bombs. We will too, because they're bad. Okay, so then you're really not at all moral, moral superior, morally superior at all. But we already know that. It's all pretend. But so they let jihadis out. They're the ones they pretend they're fighting. And the reality is ultimately that they weren't actually fighting them the entire time, guys, as you can prove that the presence of these very people has only gotten worse since French and the U.S. have been occupying the territory, just like everywhere else, because they're using these things to control and continue to steal their resources. Well, guess what else they just said two days ago? Voice of America, you know, one of the most obvious propaganda platforms, completely state funded, attacks, threats directed at media. Covering the Niger coup. Okay, great. So I don't doubt this is even happening, but here's what's hilarious about it is they don't care about anything else before this. But the moment that their person is not in control, suddenly any, you know, you bump into a media personality, it's attack on journalism. What, what about all the people beforehand that, that, that were on the right? You could prove that there was all sorts of attacks before that. Oh, but it was the terrorists. You mean the ones that you were allowing to be there? The ones that are very quickly diminishing, you know, that they're in control? Yeah, interesting. In the days since the coup in Nigeria that ousted President Bozoum, journalists have faced threats or attacks, and access to broadcasts from two French outlets have been cut. Journalists from at least four news outlets have been threatened or physically attacked, and some have reported having equipment damaged, according to media watchdog re reporters without borders. I, mean, I, I don't doubt that probably happened. Separately, on August 3rd, the signals of French international news broadcasters, Radio France International and France 24, were blocked inside of Nigeria. Again, doesn't surprise me. I'm not even I'm not saying I, I, I never agree with limiting information, but we have to at least understand why if you have it's, it's like uh, Russia and, and China blocking the access to USAID. It's because they were well aware of or National Endowment for Democracy. They know what these things really are. And yet they cry foul and say, you're stopping us from helping people. No, it's a complete and transparent regime change Trojan horse. It's what they openly say in some cases. So they don't let them in anymore. So the idea that they're going, look, you guys are going to be broadcasting your BS through this channel. We're going to stop it. Again, not to say I agree with that, but the point is you understand where they're coming from. And what's interesting even then is, are we going to pretend like what France has been doing to their own people? They care. Do they care about free speech? Do they care about these people's rights? So if they only care when their ability to broadcast their lies or stop their free speech. It says the coup took place amid anti-French sentiment in the former French colony. Oh, God forbid these people have a negative view of your occupying force. With pro-Junta protesters attacking the French embassy in the capital, which I believe did happen, many people are framing this as, as the attack on... I think, well, I think, some, I forget about, I didn't follow this up, but there was a story this was being reported on, that it was an attack on the embassy, but I think that happened actually earlier. And this was actually misrepresented, but I think it did happen. Reuters covered that, I believe. But it was just them invade, you know, invading or overtaking the capital because they now control the area. 
The attacks on press freedom, they say, were that we see emerging in Nigeria are extremely worrying. Yeah, nobody should take this seriously when the very groups that are literally attacking your free speech and anybody they don't like around the world or anybody they like anywhere, right? We're saying the wrong thing about gender ideology. You're saying the wrong thing about vaccine technology. You're going to get censored right now. But though we care about press freedom when, when we can't sell our lies to the people of Nigeria. We remind the junta that the right to inf- information must be preserved and respected, and we urge it to ensure that no journalist is ever targeted by protesters or the security forces at this uncertain time for Nigeria. You know, except when we assassinate them because we don't like what they're saying. But we're allowed to do that because we're freedom! That's how it works. Here is just a couple of examples. You know, call it whataboutism all you want. The point is that it's insulting for them to point and say, we care about press freedom, while they don't say a peep about all the journalists that have been shot in Gaza or all the journalists that have been killed in Ukraine, or all the different examples right now that we can make very clearly. Palestinian journalists shot by Israeli troops. I mean, half of these reported by corporate media. Shot by covering Gaza. This is just Gaza, by the way, not even West Bank or Israel proper, or rather, Occupy Palestine. Gaza protests. Palestinians shot. This is Jerusalem Post. By Gaza protests. Uh, shot by Israeli troops at the protest. Israeli troops shot. These are different, by the way. Here, this one, 2018, July 4th. This one's April 27th. You see my point? He's wearing a, a marked press. He was shot dead. That's Washington Post. This is not a secret, guys. It only, they only report it like it's unique every time. The point is, when you actually take a second to look, it's incredible how many journalists have been killed by Israeli IDF. I mean, we just talked about Shireen. They don't care about that. They, RFK just blatantly lied about that, and we proved it with our article. I mean, it goes on and on and on, guys. It's incredible how many people you can see. Al Jazeera points out, and I think it's way more than this, at least 45 journalists have been killed by Israeli forces since the year 2000. Did, did, you, did you scream about that, Voice of America? I don't remember seeing that article, because you didn't. We've talked about this one, Ukraine's deadly profession. Three journalists attacked in July. This is back from 2016. But the point is, they didn't care about this once it became something they wanted you to hide. When Russia invaded, and suddenly they're kind of pretending like there's not Nazis there that we're funding, right? The point is that it's obvious from 2014 forward that the people they were funding were murdering journalists. And yeah, you got these occasional points like this, but it was nowhere in the corporate media. Here's a great article from Mint Press News. Journalist targeted by Ukraine speaks out. Wyatt Reed. And just because they didn't cover this does not mean it's not the most obvious thing in the world. You've got witness testimony. You've got video of the actual attack. You can prove that by, by any number of ways that it was not Russia. And they're bombing into the civilian areas of Donbass. Eva Bartlett backs this up and numerous other people on the ground. Patrick Lancaster, they're trying to kill these people. They have an entire list of journalists that they've proudly spoken out that they killed. Think about how despicable it is for the corporate media and people on Twitter that, care, that pretend they care about freedom to ignore a list of openly pr- pr- promoted people. Don't forget, we, we saw examples of, of bloggers shot in their car that they, they were cheering on the news. Openly. I just, it's disgusting what they ignore. And, you know, just before we move past it, you know, and then the U.S. is right now approving a batch of M1A1 Abram tanks to Ukraine. The very same people are doing this because, you know, freedom. Oh, and by the way, I forgot I wasn't even going to shift. This bothers me, by the way. I was going to close this. I don't like when people do this. What we're going to get into is this article. It's important. How Kiev's kill squads pick off commanders inside Russia. From the Times in the U.K. 
Ask yourself why somebody calling themselves a journalist would post an image of a screenshot or a screenshot with this with nothing, no source material. And b- before you all jump and say, but it's Twitter, it's just a post. No, that's, we all know that's not the same thing today. Twitter has changed or any of the social media platforms have changed. Media, media has moved more so to this plot, these type of platforms than anything else. Okay. So pe- more people get their news and media from platforms like this than anything. So people that are pretending to be journalists that don't pour source material is not somebody you should follow. That bothers me, by the way. Maybe you forgot. I don't know. The point is that that then people use this screenshot as their information. You just got Twitter filed. That's what that is. Now, you believe that screenshots amount to source material because you got manipulated by the Twitter files, Twitter screenshots that are still seemingly going. So let's talk about the actual article, which I'll include link for because that's how people should actually do journalism. How Kiev's kill squads pick off commanders inside of Russia. Ukrainian special forces take no prisoners in cross-border raids. Cross-border raids? At what point did this start becoming a U.S.-facilitated attack inside of Russia and we pretend like this is not a massive world war? This is pretty wild. The driver of the Russian army lorry would not have noticed the rifle barrels protruding from the roadside foliage, 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 excuse me, far from the border with Ukraine. He was seeding, speeding along the desert country road. I love how they try to make these like a novel. (laughs) You're not that special, guys. Nobody cares what you're writing. Get to the point. The point here down here is it says, in June, Russian channels reported that Colonel Vladimir how you pronounce that, commander of the 109th Motorized Rifle Regiment was ambushed and killed in the Belgorod region while driving a service vehicle alone. Last month, Lieutenant Colonel Andre, now by the way, I can't confirm these are even real. Probably know they didn't, they were just lying about killing people, but it's saying basically that they killed some Russian people in both in Ukraine, but in, inside of Russia. Shaman troops sometimes escort pro-Ukrainian Russian partisans across the border before breaking off to conduct their missions as a major as a major in the GUR said. Here's the actual quote. Now, again, Ukraine could be making this up, but quite frankly, I think we all know this is true. Sometimes other groups may claim our kills. That's just a dumb statement, say, basically saying, even if they lie, it was actually us. Well, that time, I think we're more inclined to not believe the ones that have been caught lying a thousand times so far, but, you know, let's just for sake of conversation, pretend that's real. It says... The team, the kill teams that work best are six-man squads deployed by helicopter. He added, a U.S. Black Hawk fitted with a pair of M2420 machine guns. For other missions, the teams have to walk there and back, which is why the soldiers enduring grueling 30-mile training hike with a full pack before they're considered eligible. What they're admitting to you here is that they are using U.S. personnel and U.S. helicopters to essentially drive cross-border excursions into Russia. That's just absolutely... How how is this not... The point is, this is a huge red line, which, by the way, you think Russia's not aware of this? They're aware of this. They're aware of the real standing of this, which is a U.S. war against Russia. That's what this is. And they are now quite literally on the ground. I mean, in a helicopter, it's the same difference. If If you really believe, we know they're on the ground. By the way, I'm not even going to quibble about that. They've admitted that. I was just going to say we know it, but they have. But they have. They've admitted it. They've sent troops. There's people. They're, they they try to pretend it's always in like an observatory or you know what what do they call it a a uh, support mission <laughs> like when they pretended in Yemen. No, we were just there to observe. No, we got you on record at those EUA torture prisons involved, but you just lie about it. They're on the ground like they are anywhere else. They pretend that they're not. In my opinion, the point is. They're now on the record because Ukraine let it out of the bag, as has been the case so far, actually 
flying them into Russia to try to assassinate Russian leaders. Can you imagine if this was happening in reverse? I mean, really take a second to think about what the U.S. government would do if Russia was flying in one of their enemies. Let's say Russia was flying in Iranian troops to kill people in New York. What do you think they would do about that? That's what's going on, guys, and that's crazy. But what have I been saying the entire time? It's very clear that Russia is aware of what the U.S. is trying to goad them into and is continually showing restraint. That, that does not translate to the pea brains out there into good guy, bad guy. It just simply means it's obvious that they're showing restraint. Yeah. Oh, weird. <laughs> exactly what I said. Here's the next one. Pakistani's unelected coup regime, as we've already told you, by the way, quietly approved a security pact with the U.S. military. It's based on a 15-year military agreement signed in 2005. Overthrown Prime Minister Khan was independent and refused to let this happen. So that's important. To, that's the first part. We just talked about this. We know that the people, just like what's happening in Niger, that, they, that if somebody's in charge that won't do what they want, well, they'll get rid of them for freedom. Right? That's how this works. That's what happened here. And now we could prove that. The State Department has admitted, incur, oh, excuse me, I, I, no, incur, according to the intercept who has shown via their own information, which again, they're the ones breaking the story, that the U.S. government is on the record encouraging the Pakistani government to remove their own prime minister, which apparently they did, because of his neutrality on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Does that sound like democracy? Does that sound like freedom and, and caring about representative government. No, guys, we need to be, we need, as Americans, get past this childish adult Santa Claus lie about what these people are doing. It's just about the most obvious thing to everyone in the world, but because of the two-party paradigm, we all keep getting lost, or some people do, which stops actual change. The world is so aggressively aware of what this government is, it's embarrassing. Secret Pakistan cable documents, U.S. pressure to remove Khan. All will be forgiven. Right. And so people that are like, ooh, power, money, let's get them out of the way. The U.S. will forgive all of our debts and pretend that we're, a, you know, it's the same thing they said with Egypt. Or they said, oh, hey, where's my favorite dictator? As Trump said, right? doesn't matter what you are. Or how about we'll make deals in the Middle East with Israel and say, well, you know, if you, if you like the Sudan, well, if you make a deal with Israel, we'll just pretend you're not terrorists anymore. How's that work? Well, they were on the terrorist list. Because they claim they were terrorists. Now, maybe that they weren't in the first place, which is pretty common for the U.S. government. But realize that nothing changed. They didn't just become, they weren't just new people that day. So the U.S. government either lied about them the entire time and is now going to take it away for a deal. Or knows they're terrorists and doesn't care as long as they agree to be okay with Israel. There's only two ways to take that. And that is how this goes every time. So they're going to go, look, get rid of this guy, even though he's elected. Because we care about democracy? Because we care about freedom? No, because we want somebody in place that will do what we want. And we'll call that freedom. And that's what happened. And now he's gone. But guess what? There won't be any legal accountability because that never happens. Ever. Not for these people until Americans do something about it. And I'm not ever talking about violence. Going Underground points out a really great clip from Sack, uh, Jeffrey Sachs, I believe. Western... Yeah, Jeffrey Sachs, Je Western, as I wrote, Western foreign policy in Africa, or really anywhere in the world, in a nutshell. From the minister of DRC, what's wrong with your country? Well, we don't even start by saying the king of Belgium created a slave colony for 30 years. The government of Belgium ran the slave colony for another 40 years. The CIA assassinated your first popular leader, Mr. Lumumba, 
and then installed another dictatorship for the next 30 years. And then Glencore and others now suck out your cobalt without giving you tax income. We don't reflect on that. We say, what's wrong with you? Why don't you govern properly? And so we have a system, but we need a different system. <laughs> we cannot turn this over to the private sector. We already did about 100 years ago with the U.S. military behind it. Right. So they're just, doing, they're just hoping we're too stupid to remember what happened. We're not, and we see it. They're going to try anyway. They're, they're going to try to convince everybody, oh, let's just give this a shot. No, that's what already happened. Right? They have been stealing and raping these countries as far back as you can look. Long before the United States. And that's the whole point he's making here. And the reality is the CIA stepped in as long as, I mean, that's how this has been working forever. Installed somebody they can control. Somebody who will murder people before they, want to be as quick as they'll bat an eye. But they don't care because it's about control. That's why they get rid of people like uh, Gaddafi in Libya. Because as much as you want to point out all the problems he had, and there were plenty, he was not that. Despite what they want you to think. It's actually pretty disgusting how some of the people that are some of the best leaders in these areas are, I mean, especially contrast with the people that they are allied with, like Saudi Arabia and Israel's religiously extremist government right now. Or rather, I guess I would argue the illusion of that is really more about, well, anyway, that's a complicated topic to get into for 10 seconds. The point is that they are highlighting people like Assad and people like Gaddafi and people elsewhere as the villains of the world while they are the ones lining up with people like Saddam and Osama bin Laden and all these other people that they were working with right up until they became the biggest boogeyman in the world. Always how this works. Or how about just ISIS in general or Al-Qaeda or the Mujahideen, as far back as you want to look, actually creating the thing they're using to tell you you're in danger. If we pay attention, it's very clear. This is U.S. foreign policy. Here's Mint Press News pointing, and this is the German member of a parliament pointing out uh, warning against new interventions in Niger. It's in, I'll, I'll just read, uh, it's, in other, it's in German. She says, <clears throat> 20 years of Afghanistan war have cost $12.3 billion. Or I think it was euro. The result is known. A destroyed country. 28 of 40 million Afghans are dependent on humanitarian aid. Don't miss that. Guys, that is more than half the country dependent on foreign aid, which, by the way, is exactly what they want. Right? We just played this clip about the wheat. The idea is creating a situation where people are dependent. Like, they don't want these countries growing their own food. They want them to have to import things they need and only grow what the other countries in the West need them to export. That's the dynamic they create. So these countries cannot exist without the food that they need to import from the countries that they are under the thumb of. And if they do something wrong, well, they'll, they'll pull it, pull the rug, and people starve. Which, by the way, we just heard they're doing right now in Niger. See how that works? It's all as simple as it gets. 28 of 40 million in Afghanistan are, are, are in need of aid. That's why my point of the lie that we left, that we didn't leave, the U.S. government is still actively, by the way, on the ground and in control of that territory. Ten years of participation in the war in Mali. $3.5 billion. The, the Islamists are stronger than ever, and both French as well as German soldiers are now downright hated by the local population. And now they want to turn Niger into a new Mali. I ask myself, have you learned nothing at all? 
from all your mistakes. No, see, that's the exact the point. They have, and they weren't mistakes. That's the point. They've learned exactly how to do this and facilitate it. Pipeline, right? Or streamline, excuse me. How to streamline this and make it immediate. With your military action, you're supporting an authoritarian regime, which has forbidden the opposition from demonstrating. And that depends entirely on the merciless extraction and sale of resources. The former colonial power, France. That's what she's talking about. And while France continues to use 30% of its uranium for the operation of its nuclear power plants from the mines of Nigeria without giving them damn near anything, if anything at all, 60% of the people in Nigeria do not have access to electricity. Due to this neo-colonial exploitation, Nigeria is one of the 10 poorest countries in the world, despite, I mean, literally exporting some of the most needed resources on the planet. You don't have to be a prophet to see, she says, that Nigeria will end in the same disaster as Afghanistan and Mali before. Now realize, too, before I play the rest of this, that... I mean, the, the uranium more than anything. I was going to talk about the gold. But the point is that the uranium is incredibly important. There's also the rare earth minerals. But they need this stuff. I mean, at least they perceive it that way. And so the point is that these people have now cut them off from something that they very much need. And that's, that is why this is such a problem for them. And so, of course, all they can do is frame it, frame it as freedom, as democracy. But it's falling on deaf ears. People do not trust this government regardless. And so now they, but see, if they don't, they don't even have time, arguably, to set up some faux situation where they can claim democracy, they just, they're just dumping their narrative on top of what's going on. That's what Newland just tried to do. But actually, I think Newland tried to actually go there and go, look, can we work together? Right? You do what you want. Can we work together? And they said, get out of here. <laughs> and then, okay, fine. Then we're going to starve you to death. That's how this goes. Here, the cradle writes, map of the United States military presence in West Asia. It's an area that we don't really highlight like this very often. I'm I'm willing to bet you there's a hell of a lot more. But think about this in the context of Iran or Yemen, for that matter. Right. Look at all these bases and all these and the presence, the military presence. And and, and you tell me what Iran is doing around the world. It's like, you know, it's just so pathetically obvious the way that they frame this. The joke about how, you know, how dare you put your country so close to our bases? You know, it's, it's just incredible, isn't it? And, and, and what these countries are occupied, guys, especially Iraq, Kuwait. These places are military occupations. That's not the word freedom doesn't even belong in this conversation. As Sarah Abdallah points out, and as this goes back as far as you want to look, no one was held accountable for the nuclear bombings of Hiroshima, Nagasaki. And let's not forget, as it's proven, despite the narrative, every front of, Jap- of Japanese soldiers were on, in retreat. They didn't need to do this. They wanted to, to show Russia what would happen if they did something next. And, other, and, and just to see what happened, quite frankly. No one was held accountable for the bombings of Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Yemen. And you could literally go on for five minutes. Remember this next time the U.S. lectures the world about human rights. The point is, on the 6th was the anniversary of the atomic bomb detonation in Hiroshima. Middle East Eye points this out, and this is just one last point about, Israel, about the kind of the Israel-Zionist lie from around the world that I think is a huge driving force to what's going on with all this. 
He writes, or they write, were Zionist agents responsible for a wave of bombings in the 1950s, targeting Jewish neighborhoods across the Arab world in order to drive the illusion that this is something that was happening. British Israeli historian Avi Shalom says he's finally found proof. You should watch this podcast. It's a really great one. I've actually shared clips from this more than once. Here's what he has to say. Jews were convinced that Israel had a hand in uprooting them. After the 1948 war, there was mounting popular hostility towards the Jews in Iraq. Five bombs exploded in Jewish sites. The series of bombs created a panic which led more and more Jews to register to leave the country. I met an elderly friend of my mother's, uh, an Iraqi Jew called Yaakov Karkukli, who had been in the Zionist underground. One member of his group, Yosef Basri, a very, very intelligent uh, Jewish lawyer, and his assistant, Shalom Saleh Shalom, were responsible for three out of the five bombs. Basri's controller was an Israeli intelligence officer named Max Binet, who was based in Tehran. Isn't that interesting? So not only what he and this guy this is this guy is a Jewish uh, British Israeli historian, right? So what's interesting is he's telling you, and he lived there. If you listen to the rest of the clip, he lived in this in Iraq and he grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. What he's arguing is that this that these people were living in in harmony until the state of Israel was founded. That's his opinion, but you should watch it and listen to him because he knows what he's talking about. And his point is that what he's expo- exposing here is that – and he's got proof he's talking about. You should watch the clip. Watch the actual podcast or, excuse me, the podcast but the, but the, the video version of it. What he's saying is that they basically bombed these areas to create this argument that they were being targeted to drive them elsewhere. They found this out, and the point is that the Zionist underground admitted to him and the people that he was talking with that they were responsible for these bombs. And guess what? Their handler was based out of Tehran. Now, the point is that this is at a time when the U.S. government had control of the area. So this is the entire reason why they want this back, right? And all they can do is lie about Iran making nuclear bombs, despite the fact that even the U.S. just admitted this. Why can't we as Americans come to terms with how blatantly obvious this stuff is? Or some of us, I should say, because obviously all of you are here with me, whether or not you're in the United States. But the sad reality is that this information is plainly clear. And I, want, I wanted to say there's a quote that I saw that I thought was really interesting. It's Ernest Hemingway. Based on this exact point coming from Israel and, and everything else, it's that there is no nobility in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility lies in being superior to your former self, Ernest Hemingway. I thought that was appropriate because what this is all really rooted in is actual racism. The idea that they are in fact superior both to the, the Palestinians or in this case in this country to whatever, you know, however you want to frame this, that they see you as lesser than. You could argue that that's our ruling class that sees the rest of us as lesser than or however you want to frame this that there is inherent racism in the kind of policies that are happening in israel the kind of policies that are happening all over the world france the point is that it's not really about being better it's about being in control and framing other people or the entire eugenics movement around most of what's happening true nobility as he says lies in being superior to your former self and the last thing these people want is to change anything that they are True, true leaders seek change and betterment of themselves and everything, you know, at the expense of themselves, understand, not the other way around. That's what true leaders do. Now, let's talk about that exact kind of conversation in the context of the medical 
tyranny that was just ex- not exported possibly, but you know, laid over top of the rest of what we're doing. And it, it is really about the eugenics concept there and a lot of different overlaps. But the true issue here is the, where this goes next. Because we've been talking about the idea of the mRNA platform and the next step in the technology for quite a long time now. This study, I think, is one of the most important steps in this that really does begin to highlight that this is not just about, you know, oops, we made a mistake with the vaccine technology, as Robert Cadillac tried to argue, which seems like a complete sidestep, like they're trying to couch this in one little step and maybe it's Fauci's fault, but ultimately we're going to keep going forward. No, no, this is bigger than that. Retsef Levy, one of the leading Israeli researchers and scientists, we, he's been speaking about this for a long time, highlighting that this is the platform, or rather the study. He's highlighting the study that makes this clear. He says, excellent science immunology study is very bad news to the mRNA nanolipids platform, showing that vaccine-induced myocarditis. Oh, and look, I, I, I'm going to include this too. Let me just open it. I'll touch on it when I get there. I forgot I wanted to include this, and you probably know what it is. Vaccine-induced myocarditis is likely driven by the platform, not the antigen-specific, the spike protein. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that we haven't already proven that the spike protein is cytotoxic, that in and of itself it can cause all of these things. What he's saying, though, is on top of that, on top of the risk that they independently show that the actual platform itself is causing, as it's saying here, cytokinopathy, if I say that correctly, with aberrant cytotoxic lymphocytes, the idea of the, the, the cytokine storm. We've talked about this as early. I think even think people like, um, oh man, I'm blanking her name all of a sudden, uh, Mikovits. I think she said this right out of the gate. But it says, showing that vaccine-induced myocarditis is likely driven by the platform, implying that future mRNA-based vaccines, drugs, would have the same risk, regardless of what they do to it. Because you know what? Because here's the biggest problem. The one thing that's stagnant and staying the same is that platform. Remember what they're telling you? We don't need any more testing on that. We just enter in the new code and go forward with the new thing. That's what they're telling you. And that's what they're doing. We've already proven this. And they've, they've, oh, they proudly have pointed this out. That's the innovation, right? Also providing another, a, 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 another evidence of sustained heart scarring and abnormalities. Vaccine-induced myocarditis is not mild. It's as plain as day. Here's the study itself. Cytokinopathy, probably, cytokinopathy with apparent cytotoxic lymphocytes and pro-fibrotic myeloid response in SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccine-associated myocarditis. Mouthful, which is probably one of the reasons why most people aren't even pointing at the corporate media because they don't think anyone's going to know what it's talking about. May 5th, May 5th, 2023. <laughs> My God, that's so crazy. How think about how dumb that is that this stuff can come out and it's that important. And you know, it takes someone like Resef to be like, oh, I just stumbled across this. No one's pointing at it. Wild. Trust the science though, right, guys? Myocarditis and or pericarditis are rare adverse. That's not true. They just want they 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 the point there is to just say that it's it happens after vaccination with mRNA. We know that. It's not rare, not even remotely, but they, you know, tow some lines in all of these studies they have to. I don't agree with they should, but it says to investigate this. Uh, where's the one part? It was highlighted. Uh, immune ec- uh, events associated with this. These findings provide deep. Maybe I didn't. I thought I highlighted something in there, but oh, maybe it was in the abstract. The main point was the, the conclusion. I had it highlighted. Let's jump to that first. In conclusion, 
Our findings likely rule out some previously proposed mechanisms of mRNA vaccine-associated myopericarditis and implicate aberrant cytokine-driven lymphocyte activation and cytotoxicity, as well as inflammatory and and pro-fibrotic myeloid cell responses in the immunopathology occurring in susceptible patients after mRNA vaccination in general. And if you really want to get into the weeds in this, you can read through. I mean, I did my best to try to read through and understand it. It's, 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 you know, it's scientific. The reality being that they're arguing that the platform is the reason this is happening. Go back up. I think there was one thing in the abstract I was going to read. As always, guys, do your best to read through these. And if you get to something you don't understand, look it up. Right? I know that's time. And I know you're busy. All Everyone's busy. But that's the only way you learn. And it should not be just because I say it you or anybody else. Take the time to understand it. Have the courage to disagree, right? That, that's where it's really important. But it says the rare immune-mediated cardiac tissue inflammation can occur after vaccination. However, the underlying immune, cellular, and molecular mechanisms driving this pathology remain poorly understood. That's an important part to get to. Because remember, they just admitted in Australia that they don't know why it's causing this. And this is probably why. It says here we investigated a cohort of patients who determined, developed myocarditis and pericarditis, elevated troponin, B-type. You've gone over most of this. Sorry, I'm getting hiccups all of a sudden. Excuse me. After mRNA vaccination, contrary to early hypotheses, patients did not demonstrate features of hypersensitivity myocarditis, nor did they have exaggerated SARS-CoV-2 specific or neutralizing antibody responses. So what they're saying is, not that, you know, I still think the spike protein is a, a clear part of this. What they're saying is it wasn't like an overreaction or like autoimmunity or, or immune suppressive kind of a concept, which I, are, I still very much think is happening, too, because we can, we can prove that we're seeing these kind of responses for, in general because of the vaccination, the lymphocytopenia. I mean, these have been documented on peer-reviewed science. But what they're saying is that that wasn't the main point here, that consistent with hyperimmune humoral mechanisms they didn't see, we additionally found no evidence of cardiac-targeted antibodies, autoantibodies. Instead, unbiased systemic immune serum profiling revealed elevations in circulating interleukins. And we just talked about this, specifically interleukin-15. There's so, it's too much to get into in the moment, but check out, just search this in our past work. The reality of why this is something that has been called out by plenty of other independent researchers as already being a problem. And all this stuff is connecting. I think that's why these these hearings in Australia are so important, because they're clearly showing their hand right now. They know we see what's going on. That's my opinion anyway. So the bottom line, as again, he said himself, showing that the actual platform, not the, the antigen, are likely driving myocarditis. So again, let's not forget that Ralph Barrick and I mean all everything. I mean we talk we talk about Chapel Hill, North Carolina Chapel Hill. We could talk about uh, and, and Ralph Barrick. We could talk about Peter Daszak, Eagle of the Lions. We talk about all the overlaps here. The point is that this overlap, including the Wuhan Institute of Virology, including the NIH and NIAID, in the '90s they were working on coronavirus-induced macroditis with rabbits. It's verifiable. The documents are right here and below for you to look at. How is it possible that we can know they were trying to induce myocarditis using coronavirus, even tried to then make it self-spreading in the caves? It's their documentation between the bats. And one, not ask whether that was exactly what ended up getting out, if that's what you think happened, or just simply realize that this is a weapon, that we're dealing with something that is causing myocarditis in people right now, and we don't like to talk about it. It's pretty incredible. But here is the platform. Moderna's platform to show you exactly what Recep is pointing at. 
And this, by the way, it's not there anymore. If you try to look at this, the link, it's gone. All of this is gone. It's weird. It's almost like I don't want you to know this background information. But it's telling you this is the platform, enabling drug discovery and development. Just so we remember what they're saying. This was, it's weird how this gets framed as some kind of like a right-wing conspiracy theory, which is almost everything they want to call, talk about. But this is what they actually said. Recognizing the broad potential of mRNA science, we set out to create an mRNA technology platform that functions like an operating system on a computer. It is designed so that it can plug and play interchangeably with different programs. And, that, and this is, in our case, the program or app is the drug, mRNA, the unique mRNA sequence that codes for a protein. Right? So the point is that they plug in this new code for the genetic sequence without isolating anything. They can, but the, whether they can or not is a different question. The point is they don't need to, as we already proved, and they pump out something new. That's where we are. That's already what's happening after the failed injections that we're watching play out right now. It's right in front of us. Now here, just so you can remember what this one really comes back to, this is what I've mostly saved showing you that they're, they never needed anything other than the sequence, even with this original injection, right? We've already talked about this. Chinese authorities shared the sequence on January 11th. January 13th, they made mRNA-1273. They didn't need it. As I played a million times, the CDC admitted they didn't isolate it. And why has the data not been shared? No, they didn't isolate as a virus. That's the issue. We say, of course, as I always say, that of course they went on to say that they did, but the point is they admitted when they sent this, they didn't. And yet Trump screaming, they didn't tell us, they didn't let us know, used this as the basis for operational warp speed, for everything, for Pfizer, for Moderna. But yeah, but nobody cares about that. So the point was, this was always the plan, building the platform from the beginning, using experimental gene therapy, and the rest is history. It's wildly criminal. And now we're finding out the platform is the problem, or that's what the science is showing us in this case. I think it's pretty important. Now, let's not forget, by the way, that this clip now becomes even more relevant, right? So we make a platform that's hurting people. We make these different batches that are seemingly fluctuating of their own regard, right? And they then admit that they made a special batch just for their own employees without testing it with the government. Uh, your vaccine mandate was using your own batch of vaccine, especially imported for Pfizer, which was not tested by the TGA. Is that correct? Uh, Senator, so Pfizer undertook to import um, a, a batch of vaccine specifically for the employee vaccination program. Yeah, important. Right. So why would that make sense? Why would they take why would they import a special batch that wasn't tested by the government? For their own employees. You can, you can answer that for yourself. Just, you know, be, be, show discernment. Like, be logical about this. It makes a lot of sense when you realize, as we're proving, that their own data showed. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, James Sintello. <laughs> I use this article every time. I don't know why you're the other one. I can literally type in serious adverse event. It doesn't pop up. But this is a study showing you that they reevaluated their own phase three data for Pfizer and Moderna in 2022, even the senior editor of the British Medical Journal. And they found that it was 36% higher serious adverse events than not taking it. You think Pfizer doesn't know that? So clearly it seems they made their own special batch for their own people 
or maybe, or maybe it was just saline for all we know. The point is, they got something different. How does that not change everyone's minds? Oh, yeah, let's also not forget, as Andrew Bidgen is really sticking to, which I'm glad to see, but we've already talked about this, the evidence he has provided to the Attorney General and the Prime Minister indicates that the MHRA enabled Pfizer to do a bait-and-switch with their vaccine. Look at that. The one tested on 44,000 individuals and approved was not the same as the one rolled out to the public. That's, a, that's easy to prove. We've already gone over all this. So they bait and switch. They lie about the ingredients. They lie about the approval. They, they drag this. They try to take 75 years to admit it. They hide the information. They lie about the original phase three data and say it's 95% effective. I mean, at what point did they not lie about this? <laughs> Just, it's so incredible. I got to stop being so exacerbated about this, but it's so incredible that we can, like any of these, whether it's East Palestine or Ukraine, every time we get to these points, it's just like, okay, is it over? Did we win? <laughs> Should it be done right now? But nope, this keeps going. It's incredible. Here's a great clip. That's actually a really important clip. Another one from Rennick, who I got to say again, the way that they're handling this right now in these hearings in Australia, I got to say, man, it's very different than what we see in the United States. Now, look, I've seen, I've seen great clips in, in Congress. Even though I don't, I don't take any of this. I don't trust any of these people. Even these people, I don't trust any politician. I'm not trying. I'm not saying the Australian politicians are any better. My point, though, is the way they've been conducting the questioning. I have seen more. View, even though they're not even answering the questions, the way that they are conducting these questioning, this questioning has exposed more about these lies than I think any other engagement in U.S. Congress or anywhere else. So it really gives me the feeling that what they're doing, Rennick and, and Malcolm and a couple of the others. I'd like, I'm hoping that they genuinely want the truth to come out. But I got to be real. This, the, nowhere else am I seeing these kind of questions. Talking about mod RNA, talking about the, the lies about what their difference is, the codon optimization. Where, where are U.S. politicians talking about any of that? You see my point? And these are some of the most important parts. So clearly, Rennick knows what he's talking about here. So check this clip out. This is a damning clip. Hi, guys. How are you going? Uh, my first question is in, is in regards to the weight of the uh, Moderna vaccine. The dose was 100 microns, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, 100 microgram dose. Can the, you explain, uh, yep, thank you. Can you explain why that is almost three times uh, bigger than the Pfizer weight of 30 microns? Pfizer used 30 microns and Moderna used 100. Why the difference in weight? So I can't speak to the dose selected by Pfizer for their vaccine, um, but I can uh, tell you that we studied a variety of doses in early phase clinical trials, um, and we selected the, uh, the optimal dose based on the results of those early, early studies. Okay, so if you've got the optimal dose, what's Pfizer got then? <laughs> right. Um, again, I can't, I can't comment on uh, what uh, other companies' products. They obviously have access to, to information about their products that I don't have. Okay. I mean, we'll really just think about that for a second, just in and of itself. The very first point, one of them's got to be bad or good, or, right? I mean, they can't just be that dramatically different. And yet, don't forget, they were the ones going mix and match. That they, I mean, when that first, I made a joke about that. Do you remember that? When that first happened, they were like, maybe you can just take the other one too. I made an entire joke about a mix and match bargain bin. Remember that? And then they quite literally, like a month later, came out with the exact term, mix and match your vaccines. I, I just, it's so staggering how unscientific so much of this was. You could prove they had different temperatures they were held at. They literally had different ingredients. And yet they were like, no big deal, just take whatever you want. Which my thought was, well, then it shows me clearly that all they really want is for you to get this in your body. That was my opinion. 
But now we're here on the record, as we already knew, they're literally different amounts. So why would one, they be mix and match at all? And two, if one is the optimal amount and they both say they have the optimal amount, then one of them is wrong. I, it's just, it's so much of this is mind blowing. So does Moderna use the same mRNA sequence as the Pfizer mRNA sequence? I'm led to believe that Moderna used two stop codons and Pfizer used three stop codons. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. I think the sequence is very similar. Um, but there were differences, weren't there? There are, there are differences in the, in the uh, overall um, vaccine composition. Uh, right. And you remember we talked about this. You remember how long, I mean, we, early we talked about this. The codon optimization, the very first change in the vaccine. Remember that? And we were right on that and said, wait a minute, it says right here. And all these chipping people on Twitter were like, you don't know what you're talking about. Those are not big a deal. That'll make a difference. You know, whether they were bots or not, who knows? But here we are. And they, oh, God, God, if only we could have gotten this in front of people in 2021, right? If only T-Lab and the rest of the independent media that were screaming about these changes back then, we could have saved some more lives. But that's why they censor what we're doing. So tell me this. How is it then you're both coding for the same spot? You're clearly not coding for the same spike protein then, are you? Right. If you're using a different code to fight Pfizer is. I mean, there's the alpha variant has a specific genetic sequence. Now, one of you two aren't coding to that sequence, if not, if not both of you. Mm-hmm. Again, I can't speak for for uh, the Pfizer product, as I uh, uh, we, we are aware that our our sequence that we have used um, uh, corresponds to the spike protein of the ancestral strain of the virus. Um, and uh, uh, I would refer you to Pfizer to, to ask about the sequence that they've used. Okay, so one of them's lying. That's pretty simple. Or both, for that matter. Especially since it's based on a sequence from a computer screen, you know, from China. Okay. Does the Moderna mRNA use uridine or methyl pseudouridine? Bingo! Tell me when's the last time you heard a U.S. politician ask that question. You know how long we've been screaming about that? N1 methyl pseudouridine optimized mRNA, mod RNA. That's what we're talking about. See, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I've never heard anybody even outside of our circles talk about that out of some people on Twitter that we like with, you know, Vicky Leaks and some other people doing some really good research. I've barely heard anybody talk about that. I barely have anybody understanding that it's mod RNA, even at this point, despite how long we've been screaming about that. I mean, other than people within the TLAF community, right? And here we have a politician literally calling this out. Why doesn't this work? What is wrong with the flow of U.S. information? It's just mind-blowing. Right. I mean, guys, it's not like it's about look at me, me, me. We did this first, guys. It's about the fact that this information was important, that we called this out. So did other people in independent media. And it doesn't go anywhere. I don't understand that unless I mean, we do. We're being it's artificially controlled. But there are not controlled channels of information. I genuinely think it's because people that are even interested in the truth are still tapped in to the two-party illusion. And it stops them from going anywhere because they end up looking to the largest people in these moments. You know, like the people like Tucker and Candace that just interviewed the Tate brothers and absolutely lied about everything. But look at them, though, because they're about truth, right? Because they tell you right-wing things, you know, or the vice versa, the same thing on the right. I mean, whoever, the other examples. Sorry to go off on that, but it's just mind-blowing to me that this stuff is important, guys. And you all know that. But yet we continue to be mired in this spot. I think that's why. Uh, methyl pseudouridine. So that's not mRNA, is it? That's, that's modified uridine. Uh, methyl pseudouridine. So that's not mRNA, is it? That's that's modified RNA. It's modified RNA. That's correct. 
Right, because everyone calls it mRNA, but it's not really, is it? And did you also use it is, transfect? It is, it, is, it is. It's a modified mRNA, so it is messenger RNA. Yeah, but it's not. See, this is the, this is the game they play. It's not mRNA because mRNA stands for messenger RNA. This is not messenger RNA. This is modified RNA. It's different, right? So call it mRNA without making that clear is a lie. Because mRNA is a natural thing, is an organic thing. And that happened. These are meth, N, N1 methyl pseudouridine modified RNA. That's what it's called. So when you just call it RNA, it's not even modified mRNA. It's modified RNA. That's what it is. So they are lying. And they know that. It's just a game. That's right. But and Pfizer say that they use that particular um, nucleotide to increase the expression of the actual vaccine. So okay, that would no, make I'm, the vaccine stronger, not weaker than the virus. Is that correct? I'm, I can't comment on Pfizer's uh, product. Well, well okay, that. let me put it another way. Why did you use methyl pseudouridine and not the natural substance uridine? Mm-hmm. I think this was, uh, uh, there was a, a 10 years that Moderna spent uh, optimising um, the use of uh, different types of uh, RNAs. Um, and uh, it was found that uh, the methyl pseudouridine um, had a, a, in, improved properties. And you can take this on notice. Did you do distri- distribution and degradation studies on that methyl pseudouridine? Um, yeah, I'll have to take that one on notice. Okay, because I know Pfizer didn't do that. Um, do you? Uh, one of the side effects of the Moderna vaccine is myocarditis. So I didn't have much luck with Pfizer. Can you explain why the vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, causes myocarditis in young people? You understand the pathway. Yeah, what we do know is that uh, it's uh, myocarditis has been reported in rare circumstances. I I realise that. That's not my question. Do you understand why it causes the injury? I I just wanted to explain that that myocarditis is observed after RNA vaccines and non-RNA COVID-19 vaccines, as well as after uh, COVID infection. Incorrect. Peer-reviewed science has found they're not connected more than once, by the way. The leading science on this has found that COVID-19 does not cause those two things. That may shock people, but I've shown you this, and it's peer-reviewed, and it's the leading science, the largest studies on both. But let's just keep lying, you know, because that's what they like. In fact, it's much more frequent after COVID infection. Incorrect. And it's that also a does give lie. some clues towards uh, what, uh, what the mechanism might be. Probably why they're so desperate to lump this onto COVID is because it hides the fact that the platform is responsible. Because, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it speaks for itself. Um, we have uh, put in place a number of studies to further investigate uh, the uh, cases of myocarditis that occur after uh, uh, vaccination with our with, uh, spike vax. And realize that after all that, when you go, I'm just, let me explain this real quick. He didn't even answer the question, <laughs> right? It's just, if that's, that's just the game that they play. They just like, they, they, he was never intending to answer the question, right? And by the way, when I say things like I just said a moment ago, it was not to say that I'm now set on the idea that the platform is responsible. I was framing that as, you know, in the context that we're talking about today. I'm, you know, th- that's just one more study. That's something we should consider in the bigger picture of information. So do you think there's a risk that the vaccine could induce a T-cell response, a killer T-cell response that attacks healthy cells in the heart? Obviously. Right. This has been shown by peer-reviewed science that these things are causing, even in some cases, like you can call it a rare case, but I think it's much more than that. The, the, the attacks on your body, the, whether we're talking about the uh, pathogenic priming, right, molecular mimicry, or the idea of, of uh, what's the other term? Well, basically just simply because the way the vaccine works, the injection, the way the gene therapy works, it's causing your body to attack itself. It's as simple as that.
Um, that is uh, that is a, a speculation. I, I couldn't comment on that. Yeah, but who you know speculation? But you know, peer-reviewed science, though, right? Well, well, isn't that the point of the whole vaccine to induce antibodies and T cells responses? So, in, indeed, the, uh, the, it's been demonstrated that the vaccine does induce a strong neutralizing antibody response to the spike protein, and we also see uh, cellular immunity. Um, that's that's, and, and, that's and, the, yes. So, you're saying the Moderna doesn't cause a T cell response because the Pfizer one does. So, just, just before you answer that, if you no, wouldn't mind, just yeah, yeah, he said yes, one more that's question where it after is. this. Okay, yeah. thanks, Jen. So, no, I, I, I did state that neutralising antibodies and a cellular immune response. Right, T-cell. Right. Okay. His point is they just admitted to it. So the point is, that yes, it does. I, well, by the way, I don't think these things are actually effectively causing a T-cell response to win a positive way. But what he's saying is they just admitted. So it's speculation. I won't answer whether it can cause the negative T-cell response. But yet then is happy to admit that it can cause a T-cell response. The point is it's all about framing. So, yes, obviously that can end up happening that because that can happen in any context. Completely independent of whether the injection is dangerous. Your body can react negative. The point is that at this point, it's obvious that they're trying to hide their, their, they're trying to limit their liability about things that they know are happening. And, you know, and quite frankly, if this was just an honest, like, I don't, the point is that you could argue that them doing this is just a business move, but ultimately we can know, prove from the moment this started that they were lying about what was going on. Again, the phase three data itself from the beginning was shown to be misrepresented, a lie. It wasn't 95% effective. It was 36% more dangerous. Pfizer, they know this. They're lying to us. And we've proven it with peer-reviewed science, and nobody wants to talk about it in the corporate media. Here is Jicky Leaks pointing out, on addition to what they just said, talking about the code on optimization. She says, once you realize that there is no biological reason for different code on optimizations to produce the exact same protein, you realize that it allows the manufacturers to tag any person that has had their product. Let that sink in. That's pretty terrifying. Now, on, in, I just wanted to include this. This is the, our Substack post about this. You can watch my show, and this is a clip of the show, but the full show is linked down here. Mo, two of them are. What is the difference between mRNA and, and mod RNA? I'm, I've been screaming about this for, what, two years? <laughs> I really hope people can recognize this sooner than later because what we're getting into in the N1 pseudo-methyluridine a N1-methyl pseudouridine modified RNA is one of the most important parts of why this is hurting people. A lot of these are important, but ultimately that we're being lied to right out of the gate about what this really is. Rise Above Melbourne points out can, uh, Canadian doctor Chris Allen Shoemaker talking about something pretty important. Now, this is his findings to make this clear, but we've already seen that we're finding one in 35, one in 35, according to the current stat, the current science of what People are getting myocarditis, according to even, they just read this out in Australia, but we've already seen peer-reviewed science. One in 35 are getting myocarditis. That is, guys, that, I mean, that, that's worse than anything. That's not just some side effect. That is the effect of the vaccine. That's where it gets back into the point about coronavirus-induced myocarditis. If you really, if you, if you understand one in 35, or even we're gonna, maybe what we're going to say next, that's how, that, this is causing myocarditis more than it's causing literally anything else anything <laughs> especially whatever they call some sort of antibody response <laughs> like one in 35 yeah right if you if you got one out of 35 getting a positive antibody response then they would be like sway success they're barely getting anything and it dwindles in moments and it's also hurting everybody the point is i think it's pretty clear that this thing was designed to cause myocarditis 
what it seems like to me. But this doctor, according to his research, as us read what it says, research coming out of the U.S. Army in Thailand show a staggering 20% increase. That's a 20% increase. Listen to what he says. Myocardial injury, myocarditis as it's called, is stunningly more common than has been thought of recently. The background should normally be one in a million persons might have myocarditis. The fact is that both in the U.S. military and in studies being done in Thailand, in each setting, it is proving out to be from 17 to 24 percent, an average roughly in both settings of 20 percent, a 20 percent occurrence of myocarditis proven. Now, that is crazy. So that's what I, I thought I, when I didn't realize that it was miswritten. This is actually miswritten. He didn't say an increase. Guys, you hear what he's saying? Because that, that's why I want, I want to importantly stress this is his research. I mean, based on the U.S. Army data in Thailand, but this doctor is doing his own research and he's arguing. That's important. 20%. That's one in five. To be very clear what he's saying. Listen again. Studies being done in Thailand. In each setting, it is proving out to be from 17 to 24 percent. Wow. An average roughly in both settings of 20 percent. A 20 percent occurrence of myocarditis proven by echocardiogram and proven by thallium scan and proven by echocardiographic changes with prolongation of PR interval are occurring in 20 percent of persons who have been given the COVID vaccine. That's one in five. 20% means 20 per hundred, which means 200 per thousand, which means 200,000 per million. Wow. 200,000 out of every million people that get the COVID vaccine will have electrocardiographic and other evidence of myocarditis, which means heart damage. People who have myocarditis live 50% of them for only five years. See? 50%. How, see, it's so frustrating how these things that, you know, that it's not my, I didn't discover these things, but the fact that we're saying these kind of things, you know, remember right in the beginning, we used this study to point out there was an NIH study to show you that it was something like up to 50 something percent of people in the next 10 years will have, will, will die from even a mild case of myocarditis. And now, you know, you don't know, you're not a doctor. <laughs> well, he is, he is, listen to him. Percent will not have that terrible result. But 50% will die within five years. That's a medical fact. So we have taken a condition that should exist in one in a million people and turned it into a condition for 200,000 out of a million people. And 100,000 of them will die within five years because that is what happens with myocarditis. Unbelievable. And we've allowed that to happen because we have allowed a vaccine that is cardiotoxic to be put into our system. I'm extremely sorry to tell you this fact, but fact it is. God bless us all. This is Dr. Chris Allen Shoemaker from Toronto, Canada. Man, you know, name Dr. Shoemaker, you know, he's not, he's putting him up, he's putting himself out there. That's not what something I that's he guarantees he's being attacked for. He's probably already lost his practice. The point is that he's, in his opinion, arguing that a 20% 
prevalence. One in five people are going to suffer that have taken these injections. He's arguing will suffer from myocarditis. Now, he's arguably using his own research, U.S. Army. That's crazy. And what we're talking about here is that then what? Up to upwards of 50% of them in 10 years are going to die? I mean, what does this amount to? Like, let's, let's be conspiracy theorists here for a minute. And, and if this is true, this will amount to a dramatic reduction of the population, which is seemingly what they, some people seem to want, right? And they're also wildly profiting from the other side of this. We already know that seemingly all of them are jumping into the cardio, cardio, um, cardiovascular game, making medications and vaccinations for heart problems. And weird how that suddenly happened. Oh, we got all this cardio. All, what, think about the other industry. We're making all these devices all over these preschools. Well, we need we need uh, fibrillators in every child's school. Yeah, there's a billion dollar industry right there. I mean, it's incredible. And let's not. I mean, let's not forget that this. I mean, again, first of all, the fact that they literally worked on making this thing and they just clearly succeeded in testing it, if that's how you want to look at it. But also, like what we just played you from Dr. Bhakti in regard to the platform concept, right in the beginning. It's exactly what he told you would happen in 2020, that anything based on this, not just this one injection, but any gene-based vaccine is deadly. All gene-based vaccines, independent of manufacturers, produce the same result in the vaccinees. He has looked at 15 you, you saw it at the beginning. This, the, it kills people, guys. That's what he's telling you, that any of them. And so he seems to know what he's talking about. One of the, it, his entire process, Dr. Bhakti has been one of the most on-point people I've seen. He's, and he's stood his ground the entire time. I'll, I'll end with another clip from him as well. It's just unbelievable. Here is Aussie 17 pointing out Taiwan's population. Natural increase, live births, deaths, 2016, 2022. Take a look at that. What do you know? Right about the time when the injection started, shoo, everything sh drastically shoots down. It's hard not to see that. Here, Dr. McCullough is writing cardiac mortality up during 28 days after COVID vaccination in self-controlled studies in England, Italy, the United States. But let's ignore it because it's just totally not there, right? No correlative points, nothing. They're looking at 28 days after vaccination in three different countries. And what do you know? We find the exact same cardiac mortality increasing. But plug your ears, stomp your feet, because fake news, right? Anti-vaccine. It's very clear what's happening. Ben M. points out a really important study or information coming out of Germany. The German government has confirmed there's no data that can back up the claims that COVID vaccination is giving people better health outcomes. We already know this, though. It's as simple as that. But some people around the world are finding the courage to at least point this out and say, look, you know, yeah, we, we get it. It's not actually helping people. <laughs> Who knows why? But that's happening. There are people around the world, governments, health institutions that are going, yeah, it's, it's not what you think. Maternal mortality is spiking at an alarming rate. A new documentary uncovers why. <laughs> Can you guess what they choose? You think they said vaccines and gene therapies are hurting? No, no. Despite all of the evidence, and I mean a waterfall of peer-reviewed science that's finding directly, directly associated heart issues with spike proteins, with any number of things and issues with these injections, including nanotechnology by itself or mRNA by itself, all of these I've shown you have related issues with mortality. Now we can add, or excuse me, with heart problems specifically, but we're in the case of talking about what it's doing to mothers and children. But let's not forget, 
that we just also pointed out the many other overlaps to this, the platform itself. So it's embarrassing to see Huffington Post come out and go, we figured it out. <laughs> we wonder, we, now we can prove with a, a shocking strike in mortality. But when you read it, they don't figure it out. They make this abstract argument. It's about the same as saying, well, you know, we shut down and it caused all these delays and all these problems. And then it's just this abstract, blunt argument about why that makes it. Well, that's not even true. There's a thousand holes in here. You're telling me somebody that didn't have a, a very serious heart problem that usually develops over 40 years suddenly developed in four days because they didn't go to the doctor? It's a, it, there's so many examples that they're lying. Here's another one. I, I did have it highlighted. I apologize. I was going to just jump to it real quick, and I forget where it was. The bottom line is you can just see they're saying it inadvertently. Where was it? Dang it. There's just one that stood out. The, the whole thing is basically trying to argue. Many women like Paula experienced a rush of emotions when she became a mother for the first time. Deeply emotional. Basically blaming the system. When you become a parent, you're either a partner who's expected child. Ah, well. I'm not going to wait. It's not worth your time. To be quite honest. Read it if you want. But here's the Cut to the chase. They're not going to say the vaccine. <laughs> They're not going to say the injection. That's the point. Ma- maternal mortality is sh- skyrocketing. You know, even though we can quite literally prove that this thing is, is hurting people, hurting children. And, you know, spoiler alert, they still haven't shown or proven that it's safe in pregnant people. There's no information that shows that it's safe. And they can show you that they know that they haven't tested it. We avoided. We didn't test it on pregnant people because, well, they're a vulnerable population. But then they turn around and say, take it because it's safe. That's what's going on. That's why Scotland refused to look at the neonatal deaths and the spiking therein because they don't want to cause vaccine hesitancy because they know what's going on. Maternal mortality is skyrocketing because you force these people to take things they knew were dangerous. Here's a video Texas Lindsay put out that's fantastic. Showing you Walensky lying blatantly about what we know isn't true. Uh, when the head of the CDC, Ms. Walensky, said that the vaccinated can't get the virus, did that undermine trust in government? Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. We have no reason to believe that getting vaccinated should change your menstrual cycle or make your periods any heavier. Pfizer's director of research and development. And what he's saying is concerning, listing the reasons the vaccine could cause issues with women's menstrual cycles and even insinuating Pfizer doesn't know the long-term effects of the vaccine. Importantly, no safety concerns were observed for people vaccinated in the third trimester um, or safety concerns for their babies. We now have uh, data that demonstrates that... The whole time, by the way, the whole time she's saying this, they never tested this on pregnant people. They're just, they're just using broad, generalized arguments about why things... Well, there's not a live virus in this, so therefore it's safe for pregnant people. That was the first argument they made. Well, at what point in history do we ever just broadly assume that without testing it on them? Never. That vaccines in whatever um, time in pregnancy um, or lactating that they're given um, are actually safe and effective and have no adverse events um, to mom or to baby. So how could they possibly know that if they didn't test it? They didn't. We absolutely have the data that demonstrates the overwhelming benefit of vaccine. New paper uses government data to compare outcomes after the COVID-19 vaccines and it found a 1,200-fold increase in menstrual abnormalities. Really very little safety concerns at all. And a 57-fold increase in, in miscarriages. This- 
that just because Tucker says it doesn't make it false. It's exactly what happened, and we've talked about this. Here's Mick, Vicky Mail, who has been on this crusade to continue to push pregnant people to do this. The JCVI just announced with group with, with groups will be eligible for boosters. Not only are we at a point where we're proving these things are bare, like they're effective is not even a word in the in this should be in the conversation of these things. Not only are they not effective, even the broad thing they claim they were, they're actually the exact opposite. Their own original data shows they're hurting people, probably designed that way. And they were never tested on pregnant people. They've continued to show to be dangerous for anybody. I mean, if they're a net harm for 18 to 25s, why in the world would it be safe for a baby that's in somebody's stomach? I mean, this is just blatantly dishonest. And here she is again, pregnant continues to be a clinical risk factor. So here's what they argue. They argue that COVID is so dangerous that pregnant people are in so much risk that we have to give them this thing, even though we didn't test it. But they don't say that. But that's why she frames it like this, continues to be a risk factor. No, it's not. It's less than the flu for 94% of the population. That's a fact. It was very clear in the beginning. It's even more clear now based on peer-reviewed science. Oh, look at that. She works at the Pure College of London. What do you know? I wonder why she's lying about it. Well, again, let's just reiterate the fact that even when I posted this in October 2022, it was very clear that their own data continued to say there's no data available regarding Pfizer's injection, even the bivalent, in pregnancy. So how could they keep saying they knew? Because they're lying. That's why. Here is the one directly from the EU. Safety profile of vaccines not fully known in pregnant people. But let's keep telling them it is. Here's the CDC. Safe for pregnant people. That's 2021. They're lying, guys. They're blatantly lying. They don't know that, and they're wrong, by the way. Here's the document as it stands right now. You can look at it for yourself. Maybe you want to ask why they haven't chosen to update this since 2022. You know why? Because there's nothing changing. Because this is the same thing they're giving people, and it's hurting them the same way. Here's what it says. Reason for exclusion in the original testing of this in general, right to this very moment, to avoid use in a vulnerable population. So if you don't want to hurt them to test it on them, why would you give it to them to help them? It is considered to be included as missing information? Yes. And here's where it's listed under missing information. The safety profile of the vaccine is not fully known in pregnant people because they didn't test them. Look at it for yourself. It breaks my heart that they're pushing this on pregnant women and in, in, in children, and we're watching this destroy it. We ju- I mean, everything we just went over, everything, the shocking, like, think about it like this, as we're pointing out they didn't test it, and then simultaneously we see a more a, a maternal mortality spike, and we're baffled. That is disgusting. So not only are we literally seeing exactly what we told you would happen, you just blame it on something else, on a multitude of, of multi-factored, you know, oh, well, you know, sadness and anxiety and what. It makes, breaks my heart because people are still falling for this. Well, guess what, guys? They're still testing this on children. I'm not making this up. And even crazier, they're not, they're not only still testing this in this next COVE trial. That's what it's called. They're offering the money as children to come take this thing. And you know what they're doing? They're not testing something. They're testing the ones they already have. I don't even understand how that makes sense. Unless you just realize that they're desperate to get this in the arms of children for some very, very dark reason. I don't know. It says, so what is this trial? Next Cove is a trial comparing two types of Moderna vaccine as boosters. The original produced. Now, why would that even make sense? And the latest bivalent, which is a 50-50 mix of the original and the Omicron strain. Because Omicron's still happening? <laughs> really? 
just a quick jump ahead so we see what's going on. We're now in the, oh, where was this? Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Oh, well, I'll get to those in a second. There was, I thought it was the, oh, it is right there. Okay. We're in the age of EG.5, apparently. (laughs) You should, did you never heard of that? Who cares? Don't even bother to look at it because it's a a meaningless succession of nonsensical things. It's all, whether it's even actually there, to be quite frank. But here's what they're telling us. Remember that we went from Omicron, which is what they're still talking about right here. They're literally talking about testing the Omicron versus the Wuhan strain. Like that's going to prove anything out. They're the ones telling us that we've gone past Omicron. We're now on, what was it? U-L-U something, whatever. That was the next version. Now they've gone past that. And now we're on to something called EG5. But they're still over here testing Omicron and Wuhan strain on children because safety? Why? Explain for me why either of those things... You know, considering that none of them may matter, why those things, even with their narrative, make sense. It says, needless to say, no saline placebo, which is the other crazy part that we keep showing you. And the thing that RFK keeps screaming about that they keep calling a liar for, which we've proven is true, that they don't actually test these things against placebo. They lie about what they're using. The point is, it's very, very clear right here. Random, observer-blind, active-controlled phase three study to investigate safety and municity. Well, here's how they play this game. They're, they're, They're testing mRNA 1283.222 versus placebo? No, mRNA 1273. You know why? Well, they already told you because they've proven, proven that mRNA 1273 is safe and effective, right? So they go, okay, well, we know this one's safe and effective. So let's use that to compare it to it. Because if we know it's safe and effective, then we can compare it to the other thing and say, well, this one's more dangerous or less. No, because what that actually does is hide the fact this thing is a murdering substance that's absolutely destroying people's lives. And they compare that to something else and go, look, this one's better. Is it though? Is it just less wildly dangerous or more? I'm willing to bet you if they go, oh, look, it's just as equal. I go, great, success. That's not how this is supposed to go. And in the meantime, you're doing all this in the bodies of little children. Makes me sick. Just in case you want to see it directly on this, and you should follow this, here is the actual post on clinical trials. The study of mRNA-1283 compared with mRNA-1273. And again, don't forget, all the way back to the beginning, that is the same thing they're still using that Chinese sequence was given on January 8th and January 13th. They already had your mRNA-1273. Nobody isolated anything at that point, and I still argue they didn't. So why did they ever need it? We already have that clip of the people at World Economic Forum admitting that Moderna has never, ever to this moment had the physical whatever in there that they always ever used the Chinese sequence. Why was that okay with Operation Warp Speed? Well, that's something you should ask yourself, especially if you support Donald Trump. Oh, uh, back here. And it says the purpose of the study is to evaluate safety. Well, how are you going to evaluate safety if you are testing it against another dangerous vaccine? Well, that's the best way to do it because it makes the other one look really good. Incredible. 10,000 children. Or I guess it's a mix, actually, because I believe this is both. Where was it? Oh, I think it was on this one. It's just showing you that, yeah, I already had, oh, I forgot I had this highlighted. So they're doing over 18, but they're also doing 12 to 18. So they're using kids. Moderna, specifically. The purpose of the clinical research study is to develop a new vaccine for COVID-19. Okay, but they're using the old versions. They're using Omicron and they're using Wuhan strain. Who is asking for that? This feels like more of an experiment. Using the same technology as the previously approved injection to develop more. 
They may be protective of currently authorized vaccine, but at a lower dose level. It is likely this study vaccine may, may also be more stable for a longer period. So they're just trying to extend this and make it different. It's, it's the same dangerous thing. The study will investigate if this, when given as a booster dose, is safe and effective compared to the original. We all see this. I don't even know why this continues to happen. Now, let's finish today with where, you know, where, what's actually going on. You might not have seen this. Cases are up 55% in New York. I laughed when I saw this because you know how dumb this is. Because, you know, what? let's just say for sake of conversation, there was two cases in New York yesterday. Or in, let's just say, I mean, when they say 55% up, what, up from when? <laughs> they don't even make that clear. 55% up from whatever point makes it relevant. My point is if you had two cases and suddenly you gained one more, they, that would be 50% increase, right? It's all about the context. And of course, that's not how they, they get. They, they want people to be panicked. That's what this is about. Here's what it says. In May, shoot, stop doing that. In May, the COVID-19 emergency was officially declared over. Even though it was never an emergency, but the coronavirus is still a significant concern, according to some in the medical field. No, not very many, actually. The latest data from the New York State Department of Health, released August 2nd, shows that COVID cases spiked by 55%, with an average of 824 reported cases across the state. So I'm going to show you why I think that's happening. And hospital admissions for the disease increased by 22% compared to the previous week. Well, if you just increase testing, you're going to get something like that. And then you're going to get people to go into the hospital because they're afraid and get treated because they're concerned. And that acts as a hospital, you know, hospital admission, which is part of it. But also that people in the hospital also get tested because the testing push goes into the hospital. So then you're in there with a broken leg and they go, oh, you got COVID. That's a hospitalization right there. And they're open about that. So that's a scam compared to previous week, which translates to more than 100 admissions a day. I promise you, you break into this. It's exactly, that's that's the way it's been going since the very beginning. We've proven this. They've admitted this. Meanwhile, a new variant, EG5 or Iris, (laughs) has arisen and has a dormant strain, dominant strain, excuse me, so that's my point. So it's a dominant strain and they're over here testing for things from Wuhan strain, if that's even real, causing about 17% of COVID cases nationwide. Here's the best part though. So all of that, my guess is most people fearful of this won't even read past the first line. They're going to go, oh, no, get my mask. Quick, run back inside. Here's the point. However, Dr. Ashwin Vassen, the New York City Health Commissioner, you know, after screaming, be scared, has said the good news is that we're not seeing anything that suggests it's getting more transmissible or more lethal. I've actually never re- heard them say that usually. Usually they go, well, it's less transmissible, but who knows? It could be more dangerous. Nope, here they are. They're telling you, as far as we can tell, it's nothing. It's not more dangerous or more lethal. So why are you even writing this article about, because that's just the momentum. They want you to be scared of whatever might happen next. And what they're telling you now is, well, COVID could be dangerous tomorrow, so you have to care. But that makes you worried about everything all the time, which is the point. It's ridiculous. Now, here's why I think this is happening. Because they did a massive push to increase testing. Didn't we already call this? We told you, look at the, we, every time we see the go increase in testing, we go get, get ready. A month later, there's going to be a spike in cases because that's how this works. Because we're using a PCR test at the 40 cycle threshold, which yes, is still happening. Rennick even called this out too. I keep talking to, he keeps nailing what's important here. Calls out the 20 cent versus 40 cycle threshold. They're still doing that. It's amazing. There's no real logic to why they would test higher other than knowing that they create more false positives. 
So they roll out more testing. And in, on top of everything, they added on in-home testing. Of course they did. Here's February 21st, 2023. New York City offers free rapid COVID tests at 34 new locations, including four in Staten Island. All right, so give it a couple of months. They get this pushed out. They get it loaded. They get it sent out. Jump into uh, May 1st. Hey, free COVID-19 tests aren't guaranteed after May 11th. Hurry up, get them now. <laughs> I guarantee you they're after May 11th. That's a way to get you to go, oh my God, they're going to go away. Quick run. My point is, you can prove that they were pushing and ramping up their testing both in locations and in-home tests. And then what do you know? Boom, just like that, you see a 55% increase in beer. Oh my gosh, look at that. Well, I want to finish with a quick point about this. I wasn't going to take too long on this anyway, but we're over longer than I wanted. <clears throat> I just This story just doesn't seem to go away. Not to suggest that it even should, but it's interesting that this is not breaking news. Here's Nick Sorter, as a lot of these right wing, left, you know, a lot of the two-party paradigm-leading screamers will come out and say, Justin, breaking news, and say something from five days ago, from a week ago. The point is, he's showing you all these images, the boxes and all this stuff, and this lab, and the supposedly China lab in California. Justin, a Chinese-run black market bio lab in California that was experimenting on deadly viruses, was awarded over 500000 in taxpayer cash, which is true, according to the story anyway. So it's interesting how some people are choosing to kind of box out the possible Trump, possible U.S. government overlap and just going, Fauci, China. But, you know, some of the more honest ones in this conversation from the right-leaning side of this are going, well, you can't pull out the U.S. government in this. But even then kind of going, but just Fauci. It's like, come on. It's obviously not the case. As much as the, the narrative has become that the NIA just does what they want, it's not true. Now, yes, I've talked about that there is a lot of agency, especially for the NIA at the top of the NIA, excuse me, and even more also from NIAD. Fauci specifically, but you could prove that there are checks. People know what's going on there from, from, from health and human services down, which is over all of it. And the executive branch over that, they knew what was going on guys. So the argument that they just dump money in their lap and they go do what they want. Now, yes, they could have lied about that, but everything points to the fact that they all knew what was going on. So my point here is that first of all, Taxpayer cash has to implicate the fact that both Trump's administration as well as Biden's, because the, re the reality is this location is only the newest installment, according to the narrative. Again, the argument is that there was a, a physical, a permanent lab they were existing in before 2021. So this goes back in Trump's administration. But of course, that part kind of gets boxed out, just like the rest of the people in part partisanship only kind of choose the parts of a story they like. Investigators found hundreds of haphazardly stored vials, and we've talked about this. Actually, I'll go into the article itself. So my point is, breaking news, right? It's all new information, right? Just in. Well, here's an article from July 27th, where that's when these images first got posted. Just in from a week and a half ago. <laughs> Just, I guess it makes it more enticing to some people. Hey, you know what? I shouldn't even make fun. Maybe that's a smart tactic to get people to look at what he thinks is important. I shouldn't be so harsh. My point, though, is that this is not new. CDC detects coronavirus, HIV, hepatitis, and herpes at unlicensed California lab. And typically when I see the, the corporate media essentially covering the story the exact same way as one of the sides of the paradigm, it tells me that there's some lies going on here. That's usually not for, I didn't prove it, but that's what I tend to take from it. Now, what you'll see in this, if you read through it, is that this is, everything about this strikes me as something that feels a little bit dishonest. I just don't, I think, hold on, there was a point, uh, yeah, see, I had, dang it, some, I had these highlights. I don't know, these weren't going, these were staying up for me a while ago, and now they're highlighting, keeps going away. The point is that what we're staring at in the interest of time, oh, yeah, and that was interesting, too. 
you look at these images, by the way, the earliest example on the 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 Im- reverse image search goes to July 31st, which is really strange to me because, look, we can prove that the image seems to be the first post on July 27th. It's right there. Isn't that strange? The 10i is usually pretty good about that. So just that, consider that 10i is not always entirely accurate. That's interesting. My point, though, is this stuff is old and then this Getting into this article, it says Chinese-run biolab in California that was experimenting on deadly viruses was awarded over $500,000 in taxpayer cash. Oh, I think this was the one. I thought I had something highlighted here I was going to go over. I could go over either one of these. Generally the same information. I'll just give you my general thought before I finish with these articles. My point here is that we have a lab that is remedial like it is a broken down building and it's got a hose coming out of the side and to argue that this is some sort of like chinese intelligence operation just does not make any sense it certainly could it's possible or even a u.s intelligence operation like something that this this feels like something that is either made to look this shoddy so it's actually working in its own their own you know people just ignore it but it just doesn't make sense to me. Like the, the hose coming out of the side of the building is an obvious example that some anybody walking by would be like, that's weird. And the idea that they act like nobody knew, which is the story, just make doesn't add up to me. My gut tells me this is about setting up a story to, to either give us the impression that this is China trying to get people sick or even the U.S. government or something in that regard. Or look, it is certainly possible that this is a U.S. government effort to try to seed the next pandemic. <laughs> some people are saying. I just, something about this seems like we're supposed to be talking about this. That's my gut feeling, and that this does not feel genuine. Now, you can read these for yourself. Let's get to this article, which I think is kind of the narrative that's being set for people. Son of a gun. Okay, here's what it says. This is on some local IDO channel from the radio, I think, but it says, we just all dodged an outbreak for COVID-19. Like, that's what they're saying this is. All thanks to a garden hose that led to a secret lab. The lab getting shut down may well have stopped or saved the world, or at least America. The city code enforcement officer in California began an investigation after noticing a garden hose striking, sticking directly out of a hole cut in the building. It's literally this right here. That's the actual building with a hose coming out of the side of the wall. And the point they say they make is that that being that it's a, co- a code violation and that the building was supposed to be unoccupied, the unusual water source raised red flags. The first being that there was no record that any business had rights to the building. It says they never had a business license. The city was completely unaware that they were in this building operating under the cover of night. BS. There's no way. Remember the report? 38 refrigerators. Somebody knows there's electricity running. Where's the bill going? Like this is a, this is this to me is a shoddy half thought through story. There's a thousand holes you can poke in this. Somebody in the government either was involved with this and is covering it up or is aware of this and just this is the story you're supposed to be reading. How are you going to tell me that there's 38 refrigerators, that they have high, that they have this kind of biological research going on, whether or not the building is shoddy and nobody knows about that? You're the building, you have mat, mice and cages and materials coming and going, whether it's at night or not. My point is simple, that the water and the electricity, somebody knew that was happening. So either somebody in the government allowed this to happen, which is indication this is an agenda, or this is all a big lie. I mean, we have to be real about that. The story does not add up. And even and they just skip right over it. Health officials shut down the lab and, and could have started the pandemic. It says back in March, an illegal and secretive lab was discovered. 
just 35 minutes out of Fresno. Now, it is kind of out in its own spot, but it's not in the middle of nowhere. You can see the buildings right there. There's people all around or, or, to a degree. It's saying, according to this website, the representative of California said, this is very disturbing. I met with a number of leaders from the county and city and others that we could be concerning about what's going on in the lab. My gut tells me this is probably leading to some kind of legislation that's going to be used nationwide about something like this. That's only going to give them more of the same thing that they already want. According to Fox 59, an investigation into the lab began when somebody noticed a garden hose not attached to the faucet. Just a hose literally sticking out a hole in the wall. It was building code violation. So that also, like, really? You're just going to put a publicly visible building code violation like no one's going to eventually go, hey, that's not supposed to happen. Everything about this story seems ridiculous to the point to where I'm literally arguing I don't think it's real. But that's not, that's just my opinion. Once they saw the illegally placed garden hose, apparently, Reedley obtained a search warrant, led to a discovery that no one expected. They found thousands of vials, many of which contained biohazard materials like human blood and unknown substances. According to the reports, they discovered COVID-19 and pregnancy tests. It's just really, mind you, that the lab didn't have any permits. Here's what's so terrifying. It says, it's not until they ran tests on this until they found out what was all here. At least 20 potentially infectious viral diseases. And, you know, what's interesting is all these different things. But to the point, SARS-CoV-2, they claim, HIV. But guess what? The one thing is the one parasite, malaria. Well, I find that pretty interesting. A lot of mice. Well, who is primarily doing a lot of this research on mice? Well, yeah, in China, but the U.S. government too. And predominantly the U.S. government funding that research. Ah, Well, I mean, that's interesting. But then it kind of goes, it just who's behind it. Here's what it says. The health officials said Prestige Biotech, a Chinese medical company registered in Nevada, was operating the unlicensed California lab. The company, according to the Reedley city manager, had a goal of being a diagnostics lab. Officials say Prestige Biotech had been operating the illegal lab since October 2022. But what's weird is that this seems to go back to 2021, but then the reports are saying even before that, that the group and the people that are tying to this had a different location that goes back before 2021. But this goes, you know, hey, we, we dodged a bullet. But what I think is very interesting, or oh, hold on, what was, I, I lost my, was one thing I was going to say Shoot, I read that last part. I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, the malaria. That was, oh, oh, yeah, it's right here. Yeah, okay, the last two things I'm going to finish with. I guess I just inserted this. Well, I wanted to include this in general. I should just end with this one, actually. Here, let me just go to that next. Make sure I didn't miss something. Okay, so finally, the Defender just put this out yesterday. EPA authorizes the release, this is new, of 2 billion more GMO mosquitoes, as reports of malaria surface in states that already released them. We already talked about this. Florida, Texas in particular, where they released, in particular, GMO mosquitoes to stop malaria. They all get malaria the first time in century. Like, really? That's pretty silly. A lot of people called that out. Now they're releasing more of them for the same reason. Problem, reaction, solution, right? Here's another example. An intense West Nile activity reported in Davis Woodland in California. In the same location, not exactly, but in California, in the same general area. I lived in, 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 in Sacramento a while ago. Aerial spraying planned. Hooray, we're going to spray and release mosquitoes. And it's all to stop the thing that could very well be because of what they're doing there. I find that pretty interesting. Just on a finishing note. Wild.
Now, in general, I thought this was a good point to make sure people saw. D- uh, Dylan Alman, who I'm not very familiar with the work, I'm following him, but he points out, ever heard of Unit 731? Well, you have. You guys, if you remember, we've talked about this a lot. Not, I've, this is the other side of Operation Paperclip in regard to Japan from World War II. Remember this, Dr. Ishii? We've talked about it a lot. It was a biological and chemical warfare unit of the Imperial Japanese Army that engaged in lethal human experimentation that is estimated to have killed hundreds of thousands. Same time, the Nazis were doing very disgusting experiments, right? And the U.S. government fought to stop it? Well, no, they absorbed all of that, and that was the basis for NASA and a lot of other things. In this case, they did the same thing. I've proven this, and it's, it's really public knowledge. And the U.S. government secretly gave those terrible people immunity in exchange for all of the data they gathered. So what were they really fighting for? Were they fighting to stop the bad things or fighting to gain the research that they had? Having taken place during the Second Sino-Japanese War, 1937-1945, and World War II, experiments included disease injections, controlled dehydration, biological weapons testing, hyperbaric pressure chamber testings, just like we, just the Nazis did the similar stuff, vivisection, organ procurement. We're talking on live human beings in many cases, guys. Amputation and standard weapons testing. Victims included not only kidnapping men, women, including pregnant women and children, but also babies born from the systemic uh, RP, I'm not sure what that stands for, penetrated by staff inside. Oh, excuse me. I do now. I apologize. It's just hard. That's harsh. Children, but also babies born from systemic rape penetrated by the staff inside the compound. The test subjects were not named. They were just called wooden logs in in Japanese. He cannot stress enough. If you are interested, look this up yourself to get more details on the experiments that were done on these people. Your jaw will hit the floor. Some of the stuff is right out of a horror movie. In fact, the basis for horror movies. While Unit 731 researchers arrested by Soviet forces were tried. That's important. Those captured by the United States were secretly given immunity in exchange for the data gathered during their experiments. The United States went so far as to cover up the experiments, even to provide stipends and you know, to the people that did these things. Just like Dr. Michael Abed, the basis for the Ukrainian organization, uh, uh, organization, uh, I forgot the term, it's O-U-N, the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, which is the basis for the Azov movement and and Operation Aerodynamic, where they brought Nazi war criminals to become, I mean, it's, it's everything's connected from this. They made, they set up prologue in, the, in New York City and a company in, in Ukraine. And that's the basis for everything that's happening there in regard to what the CIA built. What were they really fighting, guys? If you were committed crimes against humanity back then, as long as you were smart enough, you had nothing to worry about or powerful enough. It seems to me, he says, the lessons we're all supposed to be learned from these historical events is that when you imagine the 70,000 people burned to death, 49,000 raided to death, and 120,000 people crushed and sickened by uh, the bombs they dropped, Manhattan Project, and then compare this to the hundreds of thousands of people killed in various horrifying ways by Unit 731, you come to realize governments needlessly kill so many people. And for what? To line their pockets of their overlords in the military industrial complex? I agree with him. It's time we stop this. But here's what I said, just so people understand. Great breakdown. I, I love what he did there. An important piece of the puzzle, if you consider. Doc, General Shiro Ishii was the commander of Unit 731. Some of his most horrifying live experiments became the foundation for the U.S. government's bioresearch program. It's really not hard to see today. Here's the link you should read. It just kind of goes into it. You know, I'm not familiar with the platform, but it's what, I read through it. And it seems pretty, pretty solid. You know, it's calling out what he did. It's horrific, guys. It's disgusting. This is what they fight for. Not you, 
Americans largely fight for what they think is freedom. They're lied to. This is what the governments are trying to achieve. They're still doing this stuff. And it's transparent. It's on the surface. It's just time for us to see that and call it out, independent of the two-party illusion. Thank you all for being here. I appreciate you continuing to support this platform. Because as we've said so many times, guys, we just can't do this without you. Ah, I knew it. I unplugged my camera to, to uh, hold on, let me try and get this to work. Of course not. <laughs> well, I guess you don't get to see me on the way out today. It's always something, I swear. Let me try this, hold on. Not that it really matters. Hmm. That's frustrating. <laughs> Damn it. Hold on. Now I'm just frustrated. Now I'm just irritated. I want to make it work. Oh, well. Well, thank you all for being here. We're fighting this stuff all the time. <laughs> Dang it. That drives me crazy. Oh, well. Well, thank you all. I'm going to end with Dr. Bhakti and a clip from him in regard to the doom that you'll go to if you take these injections. So thank you all for being here, guys. Your support means everything to me, and I couldn't do this without you. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Well, so you believe that the COVID vaccine is not necessary? I think it's downright dangerous. And I warn you, if you go along these lines, you are going to go to your doom.